BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Yo, 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 what up? This is Rocky Asuka Romero of Chaos, and you are listening to Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcast, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcast, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Jeremy Norman here with the young boy Josh Smith and Rich Latta from One Nation Radio. And we are here for our bonus episode to preview the 2020 Keeping It Strong Style New Japan Year End Awards, our fourth annual year-end awards and of course every year as tradition we have rich on to uh preview and break down all these nominees and categories how you doing rich oh man i'm chilling glad to be here um it was it's so funny to hear the uh intro <laughs> at a normal speed i usually have it on like 1.8 it's, it's a lot faster of an experience but uh <laughs> glad to be here and uh ready to talk about a very very Interesting to say the least. Year uh, in New <laughs> Japan, but most of this stuff will be good here. I was thinking about the uh, the theme song and how it's like, and you're listening with your host Jeremy and you know Jeremy Donovan, Joshua Smith, and then before you should actually record a special version for when you come on and be like, and me B. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, you know, something like, you know, might have to take that six stars out of there because I ain't, you know, you know, six stars uh, this year. So we got to, might have to readjust that. I ne- I've know. never seen a six star match in my life. I've seen some. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But this is going to be fun. Uh, you know, we are recording this the day after Thanksgiving and uh, got a lot to be thankful for here with this year in New Japan. Uh, so, yeah, I'm excited to do this with you guys once again. 
Yeah, man. And if you're listening to this, the voting is already open. So you can check on the New Japan Reddit, our Discord, our Twitter, uh, the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group, all over the place. If you voted last year, you should have gotten an email. Um, so, yeah, the voting is live, and we're going to go through all the categories this year. We, like we mentioned um, in the previous shows, we have some new categories that we did for this year. Uh, so we'll talk about those, but I think we're going to start at the top like we normally do. Well, well before we do that, a couple things. Let's um, start it off here. Number one, um, if you're listening, we want you to vote, so please go out and vote. Um, you could, Where are the places they can find it, Jeremy? So you can find it on the New Japan Reddit, our Discord channel, our Twitter account, at KI Strong Style, the Facebook uh, group, Wrestling Squared Circle. Uh, pretty much anywhere that there's a New Japan space on the internet, we're going to be throwing this thing out here. Like I mentioned, if you voted last year, you should have gotten an email. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and I'm, and all, I'm reaching also, out to some if, groups. Also, if you want to... I was going to say, I'm reaching out to some I, groups I was, in, uh, the, in the Facebook uh, stratosphere to see if they'll also allow us to uh, join with their groups and uh, kind of post there, too, as well. Yeah, man, and if you want to um, get your mail-in ballots in, you know, you, you're more than welcome to write on a notebook <laughs> piece of paper uh, with no guarantee that, that, you know, they will be counted. You know, we will make sure we have to stop the count if some, you know, you know stuff goes on that we don't want, you know, to happen here. Yeah, yeah, we're going to get a, uh, you know, 2 a.m. Uh, conference call from Evil being like, I won this shit, it's over, <laughs> stop the count. <laughs> All, 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 um, all boy but, club, stop the count. <laughs> count, yes, yes. But in all seriousness, um, one thing we just like to preface: if this is the first time you're listening, or if it's, or if you're joining us once again, um, as we break down these categories, we will not be trying to necessarily persuade you to vote one way or the other. We leave that open to you. Me and Jeremy have put in countless hours of research and work and, and and video watching and scouring the internet for videos and debate and study. This is a year-long passion project, so it's not like, you know, just a little bit of forethought goes into it. It's a lot of work, so we are glad to have you guys here uh, as we break these down, and we will try to give you the most unbiased but truthful, um, you know, accounting of each category for the year. Yeah, and if you're new to the voting, how it works, there is a first place, second place, and third place vote for each category. So your first place uh, vote is worth three points, your second place vote is worth two points, and your third place vote is worth one point. At the end of the voting, we'll add all those up, and that's how we'll get our first, second, and third place winners for each category. Yeah, always very exciting. Always great to kind of speculate how we think the voting may or may not turn out, just based on, uh, you know... Our, our expertise, knowledge, and we're going to try and, you know, make this be a really awesome guide for you guys. So if you're not sure who you're voting for, you can use this as a companion piece to kind of just, you know, inform yourself. I know it's been a hard year for a lot of people. Not everyone's, you know, stayed up to date like, you know, the Keeping a Strong Style crew. So, you know, glad to have you guys here. Yeah, so let's start at the top. Probably the biggest, uh, you know, category that we have here, the – Antonio Inoki Wrestler of the Year Award. So uh, this is the year we actually have the most nominees that we've had since doing this award. Uh, so our nominees this year, we have the Golden Star, Kota Ibushi, the Stone Pitbull, Tomohiro Ishii, Tetsuya Naito, the Rainmaker, Kazuchika Okada, Will Ospreay, Minoru Suzuki, Taking Time Bomb, Hiromu Takahashi, 
the Ace Hiroshi Tanahashi, the Dragon Chingo Takagi, and last but not least, the Switchblade Jay White. Yeah, this I'll start us off right off the the bat. For me personally, when we were kind of considering this, it, it almost was basically a four way race, and the four gentlemen I had in mind as far as who I thought we should nominate wouldn't be what you would necessarily call your conventional big four or big five or your pillars or what have you. And, and so it, it kind of became very tough for us to kind of narrow down the field. And other years we've been able to get down to like five, six, maybe even eight. But um, we kind of just knew there'd be a lot of uproar if we left some of these other bigger names that, that people, you know, will have arguments for. And as we kind of like examined it, there are arguments for almost everybody on this list, so it's not like anyone's undeserving. But for me, it was like these four guys are clearly from a match work rate, you know, angle, you know, feud standpoint, maybe like the top leaders. And it's just a very interesting year. Uh, you know, I'll throw a name out there, Kazushika Okada. Not your traditional Kazushika Okada year, if you, if you know what I'm saying. When you compare him to someone like, say, a Tomohiro Ishii or Minoru Suzuki, something like that. I think, um, based on the candidates, it seems like, um, like as you mentioned, Josh, like usually there's like a couple candidates that just grab you by the neck, like, "Hey, this is my award." I feel like the ceiling has kind of come down um, yeah. from you know where where it is, and it's essentially pushed up some of those guys that were always just like uh, a step, you know, behind or whatever, like as far as whatever, and kind of flattened it out this year. So it should be a much more like interesting race looking at guys like Ishii and Suzuki possibly having a chance to, to steal one of these. Um, also, um, as you mentioned, like Okada, like I feel like every single Okada year has been better than this one. Like, um, like uh, also looking at Obushi and Naito and um, the like, these don't feel like signature years for these guys, so it's going to be real interesting to see like what, where people go with it. Uh, maybe they go, maybe they go with a junior. Maybe they are having a ch- have, maybe they have a chance to appreciate uh, Shingo Takagi's excellence of the Never Champion. So um, the the ceiling being lowered, I think, is like spread it out a little bit more. Yeah, you, you mentioned all those guys. I mean, you mentioned like a Kazuchika Okada. There might be some people questioning, you know, why, why have Okada on there? But I mean, you, you, look, you look back to the beginning of his year. Two five-star matches back-to-back with Ibushi and Naito um, kind of rolls into the Tai Chi feud, and then the pandemic happens, and then he comes back, and he um, is on this side quest with um, Takahashi, kind of gets knocked out of New Japan Cup Finals from Evil, and then it's just kind of had an okay year, but then you get back to the G1, and, he, and he's starting to have some great matches again, uh, most notably the, the match with Shingo that a lot of people loved, and so... One thing is you, you can never count somebody out until after G1 because going into G1, it was like, correct, man, like we're, we're going to have like, you know, four, you know, Josh mentioned like three, four nominees for this thing. But then G1 happened and a lot of these guys elevated their stock, especially the guys, you know, that were stuck uh, either in the UK or stage, you know, uh, Switchblade Jay White, who's mainly yeah. been, been stuck to New Japan Strong. And then Will Osprey, who's been in the UK, and he's been doing some of those Rev Pro encountered shows. Uh, but getting into Japan and getting in for the G1 really helped both of those guys out. Um, and then, you know, uh, Hiromu Takahashi, a guy who who's, uh, benefited from the pandemic and was able to be in New Japan Cup and get an IWGB title shot against Evil um, in the main event of a show. Two things that I've noticed um, that really factor into this race here. Uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the fact that the company 
was shut down for, what, three, four months due to the COVID pandemic, and that really changed a lot of the uh, the outcomes here because, like you mentioned, Jeremy, several of the wrestlers here, for instance, Will Ospreay started so hot at the beginning of the year that it was almost like, man, this guy's about to have another banner year back-to-back. Then he can't come back until G1, so it really kind of changed things for him. Um a few other guys as well. So I think that's one thing that plays into the role here. The other thing, too, is the transitional state that we're in with New Japan Pro Wrestling, where a lot of the old guard is starting to kind of not finish, but kind of come down in the, uh, you know, in their placement within the hierarchy of the of the company. And like Rich mentioned, that kind of has created a, an almost open space where more people that might not have traditionally been, you know, eligible to win this thing are kind of more realistic candidates than they have been in years past. And I think you kind of have to kind of figure out what sort of voter you are because realistically, if you're like, okay, I'm looking for the guy who's the top champion, the best matches, the best storylines, you know, the best tournament runs, you know, just all, all around slam dunk, you're not going to find it on this list this year. Yeah. You, you've got... 10 candidates who you can make arguments for based on what type of voter you are. And we've never um, set any sort of like specific, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like criteria. Parameters. Yeah, criteria for what this vote is. Some people vote strictly based off match quality. And if you do that, you know, you're probably looking at, you know, Shingo, you're looking at Ishii, you're looking at a guy like Suzuki. Then there's some people that, you you know, if you're looking at, like, their trajectory within the company and, and things like that, maybe Hiromu's maybe more your speed, or Naito's, like, emergence as the double champion, his run with the titles this year, uh, Kota Ibushi, you know, going back-to-back in the G1. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot to kind of consider when you're thinking about who this might be. So, I guess I'll bring them up because, um, so Evil uh, won the IWGP Championship and the uh, Intercontinental Double Championship and did not end up uh, as a Wrestler of the Year nominee. I would like everyone that, uh, you know, when I last time I was on this show um, after Dominion, I would like everyone that just said, hey, you know, give us some time to play out. You guys overreact. I would like you guys to report to the comment section and ask you, how about it now? Um, and, and also, um, Sonata. Unbelievable man makes a G1 final, not a nominee. Has there been anyone more exposed uh, than Sonata? Uh, you know, with Sonata, I think the two glaring marks are the fact that he didn't have a standout New Japan Cup, but he made it to the fi- what, what semifinals? Yeah, he got uh, semifinals, I believe. Yeah, he didn't have a standout G1, and he ended up in the finals. I, I love. The two best matches he had this year were the match with Ibushi in the finals and then the match with uh, um, Zack Sabre at Wrestle Kingdom. And other than that, it's honestly been a lackluster year for him. And, you know, speaking of evil, I mean, we've spent a lot of time on this podcast <laughs> talking about evil. But, uh, I mean, we couldn't in good faith or good conscience put him on the same pedestal as these guys here. And I think it is a glaring remark that you've got a double champion, an IWGP title holder. I mean... I can't think of any other years since we started this where uh, someone who held either of those two titles and was a regular part of the roster just didn't end up as a wrestler of the year candidate. Yeah, and that speaks a lot. I, I think I think it's a glaring. Yeah, you know, it says a lot. 
Yeah, I mean, I know there's there's some evil fans out there. They're probably gonna be mad that he's not on here. But when you compare, you want to look bell to bell and compare him to all the stuff that these guys did. It's just the comparison's not there. Uh, the compelling feuds, you know, just just everything that you would you know look at to vote in this category, evil just wasn't there. One other thing you got to kind of throw out this year is drawing ability because we've been in a primarily pandemic era. Anything after like March of this year is completely, we have no clue who's drawing, who's not, you know, limited capacity crowds, half capacity crowds. Even if like say Naito was running at the top of G1s and they're selling out, we really don't know what that even means when it's like a quarter, 30%, 50%, yada, yada. So, I mean, that's another thing that I think a lot of people would have uh, taken into consideration in the past, which isn't really there. Now, for the first quarter of the year, it is kind of there for Naito. He's got, you know, Wrestle Kingdoms under his belt, and he's not alone in that, but I, I think a lot of people were turning up for those nights, you know, based on his story, as well as the big New Beginning in Osaka show with him and uh, Kenta. So that is one thing that he has going for him. Um, but aside from that, what, what do you guys have any specific thoughts on any of these candidates? I think it's amazing that Hiroshi Tanahashi is, uh, able to end up on here. Um, Ace is 44 years old. Um, and not like a 50 year old Minoru Suzuki, like where Suzuki wrestles, like kind of the same match every time. And it's, you know, it's, it slaps. It's a real, like, you know, literally like Suzuki does his match. Yeah. Um, but Tanahashi is like, you talk about just being awe-inspiring as you, you know, changing with the times. Um, he's, I think he's incredible. I think he's one of the best wrestlers I've ever seen in my life. I'm not sure. I don't think he'll win this category, but I think it's amazing he's even here. Yeah, and when you talk about um, Tanahashi, you also have to talk about Kotobushi because they spent the majority of this year as a tag tandem, as uh you know, Golden Ace, and traditionally, I don't think the work of a tag team would necessarily qualify you for Wrestler of the Year, and I, I certainly don't think it does in their case, but I think it bolsters both of their cases, because they were essentially a mega team with two superstar singles guys working to really progress the tag team division, but it also played into the greater story arcs that each of them had, leading into New Japan Cup, leading into the G1, and then, um, you know, the the work that both of those guys did in their tournaments and their singles feuds, aside from just what they did in uh, Golden Ace, is really a testament to both of their strengths. Yeah, definitely. Tanahashi carried the sorry B block on his back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was he was MVP for sure. What were you saying, Jeremy? No, so yeah, definitely agreeing with what you were saying. And you know, Tanahashi, like you mentioned, it's one of those things where people are like, oh man, I can't believe you know. Tanahashi had a great match. I was like, well, when did he stop having great matches? Like, he's never stopped having great matches. And like you mentioned, Rich, he's adapted his style. Uh, no matter you know who he's going against, you know what quote unquote injury he's selling. Uh, I mean, he he finds a way to have these kind of compelling and just entertaining matches. And you know, he he found it. He earned his way on here. Uh, what, what? I also say I was the. He, 
Tomohiro Ishii, I think his consistency in past years uh, possibly could be rewarded this year because, like, you, you notice, like, some of these guys were talking about, oh, they had great years in the past, but not so great this year. Oh, maybe they might be going up, but there's one guy that's always been there that that is always uh, produced at a certain level, and whether there were fans or not, whether there was an empty building or not, there was one guy we could count on. You guys know who it is. Yeah, you took the words out of my my mouth, Rich, for sure. Uh, oh, well. No, no, no. I don't. I'm. I'm not gonna blast you on on the air. I'm gonna do that <laughs> private. <laughs> but um, when it comes to Tomohiro Ishii, there are some things going against him. If you think about it, uh, no singles titles at all in the year. Uh, almost every feud he was in this year, he lost. Uh, almost no emphasis on him as a singles competitor whatsoever. But then. When you kind of contrast that against his match output, go to cage match, <laughs> look up 2020 New Japan match guide, put it in order of the best matches, and then do a word search for the word Ishii, and out of the top 100 matches, you're going to see 19 of them are Tomohiro Ishii, the most of any competitor in this list by far. Um, and then go and do the match guide, same search, but just do it for... All matches in 2020, 13 or 14 of them in the top 100 of the world are still Tomohiro Ishii matches. So the MVP in the G1, the MVP in the New Japan Cup, uh, the big his big victory over Jay White at, where were they at? The Budokan? Yeah, Budokan it, Hall. The A block, yeah, and the Budokan. I mean, so even with the losses, I mean, the guy has just had a stellar year with almost little to no emphasis for put upon him from a, a story or title achievement standpoint from the company. Um, I think he, I don't even want to call him a dark horse this year because every year he's kind of a dark horse. I think this year he might be one of the top leading candidates to win this thing. First time ever. Crazy. Yeah. And like, you know, Rich was mentioning earlier, I think this is going to be one of those years where like the more, the in-ring guys like Ishii, Ashingo, and Suzuki are definitely like this. This could be one of the years. Maybe maybe those three guys even place in, in the top three. I definitely think those guys have a really great chance um, in the voting here. Um, and you know, I just want to touch on you know Will Osprey real quick. I know he's not everybody's uh, favorite for personal reasons, but uh, when you talk about just what he does in wrestling, you know, at the beginning of the year, having that incredible match with Hiromu at the Dome, he had the uh, incredible feud with Zack Saber Jr. for the Rev Pro title. Towards the beginning of the year, it's really looking like you mentioned, Josh, to have like another banner year. And then the pandemic happened, uh, and then came back with the G one. And the G one really solidified um, his name here. Um, just having great matches there, you know, the matches with um, Okada and Ibushi, and I mean, they didn't quite hit the heights like people were expecting, but they were still great matches. They had a great tournament overall. And then the, the, the heel turn towards the end of the tournament and the, the formation of its own faction in the Empire, uh, I think that, that all kind of helped Will's case here. Yeah, Will, some of the top matches of the year, the match with Hiromu, the match with Shingo in the G1. And then when you take into consideration, like, okay, you look at his G1, he wasn't performing at quite the highest of high levels that we're used to from him, but then when you factor in the idea that it was a slow build heel turn and you kind of graded on that curve and you compare it to, say, like, Jay White's first year in the G1, then it's worlds and differences apart, and you're like, oh, I see what they were doing, you know? Um, I don't know if there's as many um, wrestlers that were here for such a limited time 
that maximized as much of their opportunities as Will Ospreay. So he's definitely a clear candidate. Um, I could say the same thing about Hiromu Takahashi. Um, this is a uh, someone who was given some new opportunities. He wrestled in the New Japan Cup. He he was one of the top you know MVPs in that tournament as well. But the idea that him as the junior champion defeating you know top heavyweights that was a big deal, especially the win over Ishii and then going life and death with Okada in the same tournament was nuts. Um, and pretty much the guy that was bolstering the junior division along the way. Um, and when we talk about people now, if you look at who's had great matches, I actually think Kuromu, we almost took him off the ballot because he's had less great matches than anyone else on this uh, roster. But when you consider that uh, he wasn't in a G1 at all, and he's still in the same company as all these guys who were given the opportunity to have those 10 matches, his matches were at the top of the company. Um, the match with Will Ospreay, like we mentioned, the match with Ryu Lee from New Beginning, the match with Tomohiro Ishii, he's one of the few people, again, who maximized the time that was given to them. He wasn't given as many opportunities, but still is in the same company as these guys. So a lot about him. Um, and then, like, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, like, one of the best title reigns in the world this year, like Shingo having the Never title uh, yep. throughout the year. Um, he's just, he, he showed, like, a bastion of consistency that um, that belt has needed. And, you know... You weren't getting the work rate from the uh, from the U.S. or excuse me, the uh, well, you weren't getting the U.S. belt at all. Um, you weren't getting the work uh, rate from the IWGP belts. So uh, for those of you like me who like the great matches, you know, Shingo Takagi is a is a hell of a uh, candidate here. Yeah, the thing with Shingo too is he raised the stock of so many challengers and competitors that were not seen as top guys, guys like Desperado. Guys like Ishii, guys like Goto, guys like uh, um, Sho. And you look at his list of guys, I don't know if other people in the company could have raised so many great wrestlers to like truly great status the way he did. Right. Mm -hmm. And also just having some compelling feuds. I mean, the, I know we'll talk about feud of the year later, but you know, the feuds with guys like Suzuki, Sho. Uh, Ishii and just having these kind of banner feuds, you know, these great kind of post-match attacks and promos and stuff like that. Um, he just was just a standout star throughout the promotion. Like you guys mentioned, just elevated that Never title. You know, we joke about the you know the Never committee being better than the IWGP committee <laughs> this year and just how standout, you know, both Never titles were. Um, and just the way yeah. Shingo just kind of carried that Never title and just had these great matches. And there were literally the highlights on several shows. Yeah, we talk about the Never Division always being this hard-hitting hostile division, and they always are. And you look at, you know, runs that guys like Shibata and Agata, Suzuki, Ishii, Goto have had in that, but I've never seen any of them raise the stock of the title to where it's the top title in the entire company. That's what Shingo did this year, which is truly remarkable. And damning. <laughs> well, well, while we're on the topic, let's talk about Naito real quick. Yeah, so uh, Tetsuya Naito, you know, he, you know, Tokyo Dome was was the big night for him. You know, Lij fans have been, uh, you know, clamoring for this man to finally kind of get his big Wrestle Kingdom moment. Uh, so January fourth, you know, he wins the, the IC title and then he goes into night two and defeats Okada finally at the Dome. Wins both titles, kind of a big banner moment for him. First ever double. IWGP champion, um, and it's an incredible match there for Okada. Um, then he goes on and faces uh, Kenta 
you know, Kenta ruined uh, the moment there and ended up drawing um, a pretty big house there for a new beginning in Osaka. Um, and then also, you know, we have the pandemic and things come back. You know, obviously he's not in the New Japan Cup, but then he is involved in kind of one of the bigger angles of the year with Evil turning on him and LIJ and joining Bullet Club, which led to and the whole evil and Naito rivalry that, that was over the titles. Um, and obviously, big LIJ fans were really into that, and that, that meant a lot to them and really enjoyed that feud. Um, obviously, they didn't, didn't quite deliver on the matches for, for, I think for most of us, uh, but it, it was still kind of, you know, the focal point of the company. Um, a lot of time and attention was spent on the, those feuds and those matches and a lot of the angles of Dick Togo coming in and, you know, finally having like Lij come in and make the save on, on Naito's matches, and so uh, yes, he Naito might not have had the best bell to bell year, but as far as achievements and kind of push and you know star power, charisma, uh, fan interaction, you know Naito was the guy there. Yeah, for someone who um, you know, there's been indictments on the heavyweight scene in New Japan this year, and for good reason. And I, granted, not every single. Uh, Naito match landed this year, but let's be clear here. Saddled with an evil four-match series, champion in the middle of a global pandemic, wasn't allowed to complete, compete in the New Japan Cup, uh, had his, cuddle, his title uh, reign cut short in the middle of the year. Uh, there's quite a few booking and business decisions that kind of went against him this year that I find problematic but when you look at his overall year drew three of the biggest houses of the of the year anywhere in the world pre-pandemic you know um the the title win against okada one of the best matches of the year and one of the loudest crowd reactions i've ever seen the kenta feud people were extremely uh invested in that for even though the matches didn't live up to the hype the feud with evil one of the biggest feuds of the year one of the talks of the wrestling world and then you look at the matches that he did have, aside from the evil matches, I mean, the matches with Jay White, the match with Tanahashi, the match with Okada, uh, the match with Zack Sabre Jr., match with Sonata. He still was wrestling, I wouldn't even say at a top level, but maybe one of the better levels than, like, he put forth more effort this year than he has in several years consistently. So for those reasons, I think he's still a candidate, absolutely. So, I I just want to ask um, the Lij fans and oh my uh, God. the Naito enthusiasts a, a couple things. I I just want to point out a couple things. I assume that they like this year. You know, um, be honest. You guys love seeing the Garot Wire. You know, in, in the IWGP title matches. You know, it was almost like you know another participant. Uh, you, you loved seeing him wrestle evil four times. You know, you loved uh, when, you know, him and Kenta had a match so bad that Jeremy and Josh had to go back through like five years of IWGB title matches <laughs> to find one worse. I th- I, I'm sure these are all like great things you guys just loved about this guy, but um, it, it, were you happy with this? That's 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 all I can ask them. Uh, you know, after, Listen, after every, all these years. <laughs> everything you're bringing was, up. Are, was this it? Those was are, this it? Those are all evil problems. They're not Naito problems. And trust me, like we, we he wasn't crit- in that Kenta match. <laughs> We've been, yeah, but still, you know what? People like that match. 
even though maybe I or Jeremy didn't necessarily love it, that was like a pretty praised match in general. I think we laid out a pretty compelling argument for why he's still deserving. Uh, we've got three people here left to go. If each one of us just wants to take one real quick, we got Abushi, Suzuki, and Jay White. Um, I'll take Kota Ibushi. Um, <laughs> um, so, Ibushi, uh, you... He's at a crossroads, I think. Um, there, there's a lot, you know, he's been beat down a lot. Uh, he won, of course, he won the G1. Um, he's a part of a awesome tag team all year. He has a great main event against Okada. Um, but I think he's, it's, it's weird. I feel like his story's kind of incomplete still because we have to see, like, was this all worth it come Wrestle Kingdom time? Um, knowing that the voting cuts off, uh, you know, today, assumingly, <laughs> like the voting's live now, uh, I don't know. I don't know about, about Ibushi because, um, you know, well, I would say I would say he has a, you know, he's got the title reign uh, with Tanahashi, the tag belts. He's got, uh, you know, he won the G1, uh, but he kind of just, you know, floated until the end, and you looked up. Oh, Abushi won. Um, so, bro, he was like the I second. Don't, I don't know. He was man. the second best guy in the G one. But it didn't seem narratively like it was his until like he needed a lot of help for that to happen. And what he he almost wasn't in control of his own destiny, in a way. Yeah. So it 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 just feels kind of kind of different for him rather than last year where it was like oh hell yeah like he just blasts you know through the thing and he's just on fire like it, he has a different um, year this year I think um, but it's, it's going to come down to uh, what you guys think of him so um, you know d- does that you know loss of the briefcase you know damn him um, we'll see I think the biggest thing with with uh... Abushi is you're looking at a similar situation to Tomohiro Ishii. Now, granted, yeah, he was tag champion. He did win the G1, but, you know, he lost the two big matches in the Tokyo Dome. He lost his title briefcase defense. So from a narrative standpoint, you're correct. It is a down year from him. But when you look at match quality, I mean, when you're looking at match quality, just total match quality, the top three guys in the company are Shingo, Ishii, and Ibushi from a from a quality standpoint and consistency. And Ibushi fucking ruled in the ring all year long against every person he wrestled the whole year. And that's his argument, just like Ishii and similar to Shingo. Yeah, Ibushi just great Bella Bell in-ring year. Yeah, probably not the best year for him kayfabe-wise, but yeah, definitely when you look, you mentioned you go to cage match, you go to grapple, you look at the star ratings, you, you look at the match quality, Ibushi was there. Uh, and another guy who ha- had that match quality, uh, Minoru Suzuki. Um, here's a guy who started off the year, you know, being left off of Wrestle Kingdom, but he did have that, that big angle with John Moxley at the beginning, which led to their uh, new beginning match for the U.S. title. Um, and then he's going in there. He's um, feuding with guys like Shingo Takagi, which happened um, after the pandemic. Uh, that was kind of a big feud there for the Never title. Um, his stuff with Nagata, that, that feud that kicked off the New Japan Cup, or Nagata got that upset on him, which led to their feud and, and them having a big match during the Summer Struggle Tour. Uh, and then you look at his G1, just incredible G1. Um, you know, the matches with uh, Kota Ibushi, uh, the rematch with Shingo. Like, he was just having uh, this... The so, Ishii match. Yeah, the Ishii match. Just having so many great, hard-hitting matches. And this guy is, you know, 52 years old. And he's still having, you know, some of the better matches in the company. Yeah, if we had an award for person with the most great uh, feuds, he'd win it. You know, the Moxley feud. 
the Nagata feud, the Shingo feud, that puts him over the top. Um, here's someone where he has a lot of great matches, not quite as many as some of the other guys like, say, Ishii, Ibushi, or Shingo, but he's just underneath that. But then when you look at narrative-wise, regaining the uh, never uh, the never open weight title, having probably one of the best G1s of his entire career, and he did it all at 52 years old, I think he's a dark horse to win the whole thing, and I think it could actually be realistic. He might pull it out, which is crazy. I, th- I think he's definitely going to get votes, and you guys mentioned him being 52 years old. I don't think there's ever been a better year for a 52-year-old unless, you know, Terry Funk did something I don't know about. But, um, <laughs> but you know, I don't know what year that would have been. But, um, yeah, he was um, – if you think about how he was a year ago, we were thinking this guy was on the way out of the company. And for him to, like, you know, just turn around and be like, whether some new money came in for him or whatever happened, he was like, well, they kind of phased me down for 2019. So all that means is in 2020, I get to do all these feuds and kind of be fresh for them, even though, you know, Suzuki is Suzuki at this point. But, um, him going back to the previous levels that he was at, like I said, once that top comes down a little bit, like as far as like you're not seeing uh, like, you know, five-star matches every single night, like in the main event. So like when that top comes down, that allows, you know, that that next realm of guys to just punch through a little harder. And who the hell punched through harder than this guy or slapped through harder? Like, <laughs> so. All right. Well, then I'll finish this out with Jay White. Jay White, um, you know, was gone for most of the pandemic, wasn't able to make the New Japan Cup, wasn't able to work Dominion and any of that stuff. But you look at the early part of the of the year, um, you know, he had the two-match series in the Tokyo Dome with Naito and Ibushi. Uh, divisive matches in some circles, but ultimately praised by a lot of people. And then um, when he returned for – and then kind of was the big star, aside from Kenta, that held things down in um, – in America with the New Japan Strong and, um, you know, making his appearances there, which was kind of unfathomable at the time. And I think one thing that helps his case this year, believe it or not, is the comparisons to evil uh, with evil kind of, you know, in some circles and, and kind of floundering, you kind of compared him to his direct rival in Jay White. And it sort of made Jay White's year even better, even when he wasn't active in the company. But the thing that really put him over the top, the G1 – almost winning the G1, being the points leader the entire time, probably having the best G1 of his career, improving upon his great G1 from last year, and then having a great match with Ibushi to close out the year where he won the uh, opportunity to challenge for the title at Wrestle Kingdom. Those are his strengths this year. He feels more fully formed than he ever has this year. Like He's um, in touch with the current... Uh, state of the crowds um, like a Juice Robinson, but this is like uh, the heel version of it. Um, he's someone that I have not necessarily been a biggest fan of in the past, but like he's he's working at a master heel level. Like he's dripping in um, you know charisma, and just like you look at him and you feel like he wants to you know be the best in his own way. Are you going to get some bullshit in his matches? Yes, but. Josh brought up an astute point. By default, he has he has looked like a diamond compared to the doo doo <laughs> that was uh, evil. So um, that that's amazing. Like when you think about it. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you think back to when he, he first kind of came on the scene here, and 
know, just a ton of mixed reactions and, you know, just starting off not so hot with that match with Tanahashi. But, you know, ever since then, like you guys mentioned, he's kind of coming to his own. Uh, I think he's kind of at the peak of his game right now. Like you mentioned, Josh, uh, a better G, even better G1 than last year. So the, the match quality is there. Um, promos, I mean, obviously being an English speaker guy, we can we, we hear him more. He's always obviously having these promos and, uh, you know, one of the best promos out there. And it really kind of helps, you know, pull the strings and kind of set up these feuds with uh, some of his promos and angles that he's in. And so obviously still a big focal point in the company. Obviously, we're eventually going to get some kind of Bullet Club fallout with him and Evil. Uh, but, yeah, him coming back in, you know, he was right back in the top mix and then ends up winning uh, the Right to Challenge briefcase. And now it's um, going to be main eventing the second night of the Dome. So o- overall, uh, a really good year for the Switchblade. And so I think that's going to wrap up our wrestler. Yeah, I think that's uh, it. Yeah, our wrestler of the year talk. So uh, now we'll move on to the next category, match of the year. So for our match of the year nominees, we have Kazuchika Okada versus Kota Ibushi from Wrestle Kingdom 14. We have Kazuchika Okada versus Tetsuya Naito from Wrestle Kingdom 14. Will Ospreay versus Hiromu Takahashi from Wrestle Kingdom 14. Hiromu Takahashi versus Ryo Lee from New Beginning in Osaka. Roshi Tanahashi versus Setsuya Naito from the G1. Zack Sabre Jr. versus Will Ospreay from New Beginning in Sapporo. Shingo Takagi versus Will Ospreay from the G1. Kazuchika Okada versus Shingo, Taka- Kazuchika Okada versus Shingo Takagi from the G1. Kota Ibushi versus Tomohiro Ishii from the G1. And Kota Ibushi versus Minoru Suzuki from the G1. A lot of great matches, man. Um, so... I think it's where wherever you want to go. There, I think there's a dividing line. There's stuff that happened before the pandemic, and then there's stuff that happens after the pandemic right. uh, got got started. And it, it's hard, like uh, to for me to measure something like a uh, Ryu Lee and Hiromu Takahashi against one of the you know clap crowd main events. And it, it's like because I I just remember being in love with that match, um, uh, Takahashi and Lee. But um, I, I think this is gonna I don't, I don't. I don't think match quality is going to decide this one. Well, you know, um, I apologize. Far from the mic, <laughs> um, you know, just to kind of throw something out there. You know, I know this is not on our list, but for me, one of the best matches I've seen this entire year, and it might even be my overall match of the year, which hasn't, you know, been an outside of New Japan match in years. But for me, it was Walter and. Ilya Dragunov from NXT UK, and that was an empty arena match. Now, I know not every match uh, <laughs> is or isn't um, determined completely based on the atmosphere in the crowd. Obviously, like you mentioned, Rich crowd plays a uh, big hand in it. But for me, for the integrity of this war, it's, it's really simple. Should a lot of the Would a lot of these clap crowd matches or empty arena matches have been better had there been crowds? Possibly. But at the end of the day, you got to play the hand that you were dealt. And for us, what I feel like is, which one of these matches is the fucking best? That's, <laughs> that's the long and short of it. What, what's the fucking best match this year? <laughs> yeah, when you, you look at Wrestle Kingdom 14, produced uh, three of the top matches here on this list. Um, I mean, just, you know, Okuchizuchiko Okada is back-to-back with two five-star matches with Koto Ibushi on night one to see a Naito on night two. Um, but that night one match of Ibushi was just absolutely incredible. Those guys, you know, they, they had wrestled in the G1 in that previous year, but you kind of felt like they were holding stuff back, and then they, they unleashed it all 
on on night one here, something to fourteen, and just had this absolutely incredible, you know, stellar main event. Uh, you know, the main event you expect from IWGP title match, uh, and it was, it was just awesome matchup here. And you know, pretty much it was the, the front runner, pretty much for the majority of the year. And then, you know, obviously, you know, the, the Lij fans are probably going to put the Naito match over there. again, another five star classic, and finally, you know, the culmination of this journey of of Naito winning the title. And these guys always have great matches together. And uh, yeah, Night Two was just no, was no different. And then Osprey and Hiromu, uh, you know, the big kind of first singles match since Hiromu returned. You know, we saw him; he came back in the Road to Tokyo Dome. Um, even a pinfall loss, Robbie Eagles in a tag match. You know. We're not fully sure what he could do, but then he came out here and answered all the questions, showed that the neck was all right, and has had this awesome uh, five-star banger with Osprey. I think it's going to be interesting what happens between the two top main events of the two nights of Wrestle Kingdom. You know, generally speaking, very often the main event of Wrestle Kingdom is the biggest match of the year, best atmosphere, and we get the best performances from guys. Very often it is the match of the year. It happens very often. But, you know, we talk about situations in categories where votes get split. I am wondering, with how great both of those two main events are, will it split the difference? Because, you know, match quality is subjective, and if you're in it strictly for the build, the story, and the moment, and the atmosphere, you're not going to get one that's bigger or better this year than Okada Naito. But if you're looking strictly at match quality, then you might probably be like in the Okada uh, Abushi camp. And it does make me wonder if this is going to get split. Um, and I, I, I do think that the match quality in both matches are very, very, very close. But, uh, yeah, it's an interesting thought to see how that's going to play out, really. So just looking at it, it looks like uh, you got three Okada matches on here, so he's got three chances to win. Uh, Bushi has three different appearances as well. Uh, Will Ospreay, I believe, has two uh, Hiromu Takahashi has two, I believe, unless I, yeah, yeah. my eyes are playing tricks yeah. on me. Yep, yeah, he has Takashi two. Has two. Osprey, um, Osprey actually has Naito three. Naito has two as well. And Shingo has two. Osprey has three. Okay. Yeah, so. Well, let's, we should, let's, uh, we let's talk about to... some of these new beginning yeah. matches. Um, Hiromu Takahashi, Ryu Lee, Zack Sabre Jr., Will Osprey. Um, you know, kind of in the the aftermath of Wrestle Kingdom, these were two of the best matches that happened this year. Uh, Zach and Will kind of being a long-term story that overarcs not just from New Japan, but also to their days in the UK Indies, especially in Rev Pro, and that, that matches for the UK title. And um, Zach never having won that title, being the biggest star in the UK, failing many times, and then, you know, wanting to lift that belt off of Will... And they just and he went out there and proved that he could wrestle the British style. He, yeah, he's not just a high got, flyer, but he's one of the most the, uh, well-rounded wrestlers. Yeah, you have the other way around. It was uh, Will trying to lift off of Zach. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, my, I misspoke. Sorry about that. But Will just showcasing how great of a talent he is. And then the the climax of that match where Zach literally passes Will Osprey out in the middle of the ring, and I I expected Will to win, and Will goes to sleep leading to the rematch that they had in Rep Pro, it was incredible. It was like poetry. <laughs> yeah, I think that's going to be one of the uh, matches. The Takahashi and, and uh, I'm just going to say Dragon Lee. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say Dragon Lee because we know what the fuck it is. But um, <laughs> <laughs> this was the junior heavyweight version of Kenzo Kobashi versus Kenta, or excuse me, uh, versus Kenzo. This is a junior heavyweight version of uh, 
Kensuke versus Kensuke Sasaki. Yes, with all those chops that they opened up with, you knew it, like this was crazy. Like I'll never forget that. Um, like how that how that started, and this being such a rich rivalry, you know, in you know the history. Uh, you know, going back to before 2017, even and. I just hope these guys get to wrestle each other a million more times because this is a legendary rivalry with another legendary entry right here. Yeah, and I think both of these matches are going to be matches that kind of get uh, forgotten about, maybe slipped under the rug because, you know, they happen right after Wrestle Kingdom and they happen right before the pandemic. So people kind of remember Wrestle Kingdom and not really quite what happened after that. Uh, but this New Beginning Tour produced a, a lot of great matches. And like you mentioned, yeah, Hiromu, Ryu Lee, that great rivalry, that great chemistry, uh, and that was an incredible matchup. But that Saber Osprey, I think that's definitely one that's going to be forgotten about, um, partially because people how they feel about Will Osprey, and then like because it was the beginning of the year. But that was that's an incredible matchup, like you mentioned, Josh, that led to that that big rematch, and that was like a program. That was a, gr- a great feud that they had at the beginning of the year because we had several multi-man matchups. There was like the elimination match where where uh, Osprey eliminated Saber to even get the initial yeah. initial title shot. And so there was so much that was built in to this feud for the Rev Pro title and kind of the beginning of Osprey uh, solidifying himself as a heavyweight. Well, coming out of that, it's no surprise, uh, the last five matches here, all G1 matches. <laughs> and um, we got one match from the B block that starts us off, and then every other match that's uh, nominated, all A block, uh, so we'll start with Hiroshi Tanahashi, Tetsuya Naito. Uh, this is one that is also going to be based on your opinion. Um, whereas I wasn't as high on it as a lot of people, the general consensus is that for, for most of the year, this was one of the matches of the year. Many people have it listed as their match of the year. And it kind of – I'd like to take a victory lap, and not just for me, but also for Jeremy – because I think both of us, when we when we saw that Naito was winning the double gold, we said, do a three- or four-match series next year with Hiroshi Tanahashi. You can finally do it. They didn't do it. They went with evil instead. <laughs> <laughs> what a choice. <laughs> and look at what we could have had all year long. Would we be talking about New Japan... You know, all all these voices out here talking about, like, you know, them being on the downside and yada yada. Had Naito and Tanahashi gone out there and done what they did here two or three times this year? I really don't think we would, to be honest with you. Yeah, it, it would have been yeah, an incredible um, year. Go ahead, Rich. Yeah, yeah uh, it, it's it's amazing. Yeah, like, the I remember the reaction on this match. Like, I couldn't believe, like, the, the love I was saying before I saw it or whatever. I was more in Josh's camp uh, when I finally sat down and watched it. I was like, oh, it was very good, but I didn't, you know, I didn't think it was a match of the year candidate myself. But um, I think that this stands to the power of, like, how much – these guys have a lot of fans, both of them, <laughs> and and the fans that have votes. So, uh, well, I, I, think, I think it's I think it's going to steal some votes. I think the deal is when you look at all these different styles of matches. Okay, there's this is a very diverse group of matches, but if I had to say, okay, pick one match out of this group that is the most New Japan big time main event match style that you could the traditional one that we've been used to for the last four or five years or six, you're probably going to pick Tanahashi Naito. It is the most by the numbers, big time 
New Japan IWGP style match that that is on this list. I would say even more so than like Okada Ibushi, you know, just in terms of stylistic choice. So I think that might be one reason so many people loved it is that it is like what they've grown up on. It's what they fell in love with, what they like about this company. And this is emblematic of that. And they might not be seeing that no more. <laughs> it might be the last. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I, we got we got some matches here that are uh, with some of the up and coming stars that do seem to be the direction the company's style is going. Yeah, and I think with that Tanahashi Naito main event, it came to at a time where we were getting these Naito Evil main events, and people were kind of just kind of frustrated with the main event scene. So then to have this you know traditional classic main event matchup with you know two of the top guys, it was refreshing in a way and, and exciting, and it got you energized. Uh, for the rest of the tournament. Yeah, so let's talk about... Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll take this... Uh, I'll take that all day compared to, you know, whatever else. Uh, I think you can put this match heads and shoulders above anything else Naito did as a champion this year. Well, let's talk about the um, next matchup. It's a rematch of last year's match of the year in Shingo and Osprey. Man... So I, I think Shingo and Osprey, this being their second match, and remember they were supposed to do this in the New Japan Cup. Um, you're talking about guys that had a match to live up to, and they almost did it. Some people think they did, they exceeded it. So I think it, this is another one. Like if you start talking about like fast athletic wrestling, and um, I think this one is going to get you know. Because you look at the the empty arena, and then you look at, or excuse me, the clap arena. By the time they were there, and you start seeing like what they did, and it's like, holy shit! It doesn't matter if they had fans or not. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when when you, when you look at who who one of the top Dragon Gate style wrestlers of the last ten years have been, you're looking at Shingo. When you're looking at who the best of the indie slash New Japan Junior style is you're looking at Will Ospreay, and then you beef those two boys up, put them in the heavyweight scene, you're talking about one of the best matches of the year. I, I love this match. Yeah, absolutely incredible, and so many callbacks from the best Super Junior match last year, and, you know, I think everybody was really kind of counting on, you know, Shingo to kind of get that win back over Will, and, and eventually he did, and so, obviously, it, it opens the door now for, for a third match down the line, um, especially now with, you know, Osprey as a heel and Empire. I think there's some interesting dynamics you can kind of have there for the third matchup. But, yeah, once again, these guys came out here, like you mentioned, Rich, you know, in the clap crowd environment and still told an incredible story and were, were able to suck the, the crowds in, and it's had another phenomenal matchup. So we got three to go. Um, why don't you guys talk about Okada Shingo? So I, I'll can start here. So I, I absolutely love this match. I know there was a, a lot of people. This match was kind of divisive, and you know, I think majority of people liked it, but there was definitely some people didn't think it was quite as great. But I absolutely love this match. You know, with Okada kind of being having a down year and implementing the money clip and feuding with Yudro and Evil. Uh, you know, you just weren't getting the the classic Rainmaker that you used to, especially in a G one. Um, you know, scenario, and so finally, this this match with Shingo is kind of like the the awakening of the Rainmaker in this tournament, 
And even though he was still, you know, going for the money clip, there was still that kind of traditional Okada build and sequences. And Shingo's just one of the best wrestlers in the company and kind of bringing his intensity in the Dragon Gate style. It's kind of this great, like, clashing of styles. And these guys had just had a great chemistry together. First time matchup, big matchup. And overall, just you just kind of got sucked in. It was one of those matches because Okada was having a, a down year and a down tournament. It, it made you think that Chingo could beat him, and I was ra- I really wanted Chingo to beat him, and I was rallying behind Chingo. But obviously, Okada was able to pull it out and uh, get the uh, the rate the uh, money clip in and submit or pass out Chingo. So one thing this year has done is allowed me to work at home uh, a lot during this year, and I've watched tons of matches. Um, to whether I just had them going on my TV right next to me as I as I do the work uh, for the day. Sometimes I'm able to fall a little bit more into the match. Sometimes I'm not. Uh, this was unfortunately one of the times where like I watched the match and kind of just had it going on, and I'd be able to look up like every couple minutes to see what was happening. So I would have to rewatch this one to give it a little bit more of a fair uh, analysis. So I'm gonna just pass this one to Josh. Well, the long and short of it is. This is universally praised as one of the top matches of the year. Now, did I necessarily agree with that? No, and I think that's going to be a reoccurring theme you'll see as we talk about these matches. I wasn't as high on a lot of the matches this year as, as everyone else was, but that doesn't mean my uh, opinion really matters. Ultimately, it's going to be the voice of the people, and there's a real thing called G1 fatigue. You know, you get delirious towards the end of the G1. You watch so many matches, it's hard to tell what's what. But um, unanimously... I mean, Dave Meltzer over, I don't know, five stars plus, something like that. Uh, it's one of the highest rated matches of the year, so I, I'm not surprised at all. If, if this does get a lot of votes or even wins, I wouldn't be surprised. The last two matches... Was it, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, was there an, an element of people looking for something um, to, to rate five stars w- with this, you think, Josh? Um, I think, like I said, wrestling's very, you know... It, it, it's up to your own perceptions. I didn't necessarily love it, but, I mean, Jeremy went, what, five on it? Uh, I think went 4.75 on it. <laughs> coward. Cow, coward. <laughs> <laughs> the, Coward's the last, reading. The last two matches we have here, Ibushi versus Ishii, and then Ibushi from Suzuki from the G1. Both very similar matches. It does make me wonder if fans of this style, this might be another situation where votes get split. Because these are very, I mean, they're they're two of the strong style fighting, you know, match hostile battle candidates that we've got on the ballot. And um, for instance, for me, I liked Ishii and Ibushi better, but I think the Suzuki match got praised more. Um, and it really just depends on what your your overall tastes are. But there is no denying that these are two of the absolute most violent matches you're going to see the entire year two of the best matches of the entire year, and it's why Ibushi is, you know, in in the wrestler of the year category along with these two guys. Um, yeah, these matches... Very interesting with like, Ibushi. Uh, like, Ibushi, every match that he's done uh, this year that's nominated are, is this new, brutal, physical war style that he's doing. Like, he's slowly using his flying, like, kind of out of the repertoire and, and fighting more, it seems like. Well, you always get that with Ishii, and I think it's hard to avoid that with Suzuki. But, yeah, he's like a fish in water with that style. And uh, these matches were breathtaking. I mean, I was, like, literally, like, shrieking at the 
violence of these matches. <laughs> yeah, it's like we've been saying with Ibushi. He's one of the most versatile wrestlers on the roster. You know, you want him to wrestle a comedy match, you can do it. You want him to wrestle junior high-flying style, you can do it. You want him to wrestle the traditional main event style. You want him to wrestle these, these strong-style violent matches, he can do it. That's exactly what he did here with both Ishii and Suzuki. Um, like you, Josh, yeah, I was, you know, jumping, you know, squirming when those, those shots were firing off in that, uh, you know, clap crowd arena. And so, yeah, these guys were, th- were throwing bombs and two great violent matchups here. Yeah, man. That is going to do it for our uh, match of the year candidate. So let's move on to the third year. If we're talking about a trifecta or a trinity of the top three awards, show of the year is the next you know, biggest category. Um, in that category, we have Wrestle Kingdom Night or Wrestle Kingdom 14 Night One, Wrestle Kingdom 14 Night Two, The New Beginning in Osaka, The Summer Struggle in Jingu, and the last five shows are all, or is it four? Or I'm sorry, the last six shows are all G1 Nights. So we've got G130 Night One, Night Two, Night Five, Night Eleven, Night Thirteen, and Night Seventeen. <laughs> Yeah, Crazy. so that's like that's like five odd number G G one uh, numbers on there. What do the odd numbers normally mean? Those those would be the B blocks. We've got one uh, B block night two, uh, as opposed to the five A block nights. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> oh man, but yeah. So I'll see. But I. I I have the cards for each night pulled up in case we need a uh, reference. I just got one question. I, um, so why did you guys decide to split the what Russell Kingdom? Because I think people will want to know that. Yeah, I mean, we decided to split them because they were two individual shows. And I, I know it was kind of one big weekend, but if you look at it, I mean, I think it'd be kind of unfair to lump together and just say, oh, it was just one big show. I mean, there was two different cards. You had two different stories kind of going mm-hmm. into both nights. Um, I mean, essentially, yeah, there were two different shows and so um you know some people think one night was better than the other night and overall i think each individual show needs to be kind of compete against the other show of the year yeah this is show of the year not shows of the year and you know one argument people might have is like well the double gold dash they booked it together so it's one thing it's like well that's not all that was on these shows and uh that's their fault they booked it that way so that's you know that's not really on us that's on gato (laughs) I said, just just wanted to ask. I'm sure somebody you know would ask you guys in the comment section. So, I'm, uh, I'm delete sure your comment. It, it, someone's gonna listen to not listen to this and still ask the question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Russell Kingdom kicked off the year in a great way, uh, especially night one. Just the incredible matches on there. Like we mentioned, the main event with Okada and Ibushi for the title. Then you have the, the Naito and Jay White match, Naito able to get in the IC title. We had the Hiromu Osprey match we talked about. You had the, the Texas Death match for the U.S. title with Mox and Archer. You had uh, Finn Juice uh, winning their first tag titles by defeating uh, G.O.D. to become champions. Um, you, you had um, the, the big Liger, um, the first Liger retirement match, the eight-man tag where he's teaming up. Um, with uh, Fujinami and Sasuke and Tiger Mask to take on Sano, Taguchi, Otani, and uh, Takaiwa. Can, can I say something real quick? Yeah. That match has 6.12 on Match Guide. Dave Meltzer gave it two and three quarters, 
And if you had asked me, I would have put that in our tag team of the year category had I been allowed to. I was overruled. <laughs> I fucking love that match. I can't see how that match isn't universally praised as just fucking incredible. People are out of their damn minds. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think it's just one of those situations where, like, if you don't really re- have that like, kind of rich respect for the history and the rivalries and really know who those guys were, it, it, just, it just didn't quite hit the same for certain people. Bro, this, this man Sano was trying to kill yeah. himself for ligers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But they yeah. also had like a. a I was gonna say like they also had like it. It seemed like you know, on Wrestle Kingdom they had those random eight man tags that were out of nowhere that like kind of just were there. Like uh, very funny. Uh, I, I feel like if you can take the best of both shows like you get one great strong show and i don't i don't know like i it, it seems like we're gonna get some splitting and then we're gonna start looking at those cards and then especially measuring them against like maybe some of these g1 nights where we're like oh there's no hole here yeah and right it, it does depend on what kind of voter you are you know because you've got your big shows like wrestle kingdom or new beginning or dominion that are like a full-on long-form show but then you've got like you know, the G1s, especially this night with no undercard, and it's just young line match and then five bangers back to back to back to back. It kind of depends on what sort of voter you are. Are you going to judge the show in the context of it being a whole production? Big show, yeah. Or are you going to say, I'm, I'm just looking at the match quality? Because if you look at this show, I mean, Jeremy gave you a, a rundown of like four or five matches. They're comparable to a G1. But then, like you mentioned, Rich, they've got, like, the eight-man tag. They've got, like, five or six tags here on the show, too. So it kind of depends on, on your Stuff you normally members. don't see on Russell Kingdom like that. So, it, as, as you know. Somewhat. I mean, uh, they, did, they, did, they do do, like, they usually do the Rumble. They usually do the uh, six-man uh, gauntlet to try to get Four-way corner on. match. Right. So we they try their best to get everybody on. But, yeah, you're, you're absolutely correct. Yeah, I think that's what's going to hurt night one potentially in the boat is having those multi-man tags. So look at night two, you know, you have the Never Gauntlet, you have the, the Liger match with him and Sano against Hiromu and Ryu Lee, you have Rapungi 3K versus Phantasmo uh, and Ishimori for the junior tag titles, you have Saber and Sonata, uh, Mox and, and Robinson, Goto and Kenta, Jay White and Ibushi, Jericho and Tanahashi, and then Naito uh, beating Okada in the main event. Um, so this second night's almost more of a traditional style format of Wrestle Kingdom. So I think yeah. that, that can get, get some votes over night one there. Now, here's the interesting thing. I think that they booked most of the singles matches on night two because it was going to be harder to draw. Like January 4th is the tr- traditional day they always draw, and they drew more tickets for that show, even with it being the quote-unquote weaker card. On night five, I think they're trying to bolster it by giving it more of that traditional, you know, Wrestle Kingdom feel. Um, and but you know, ultimately for me personally, this, I'm speaking for me. I like night one better than night two, even with, you know, on paper this sounds better, and it might be for a lot of voters. But for me, I preferred the top end quality of the mm-hmm. second of the first night versus the overall quality of the second night. If that makes sense, that was my that was my personal opinion, anyways. Gotcha. 
So then, uh, you know, you look at uh, New Beginning in Osaka, which, again, we mentioned earlier, kind of gets lost after the, the Wrestle Kingdom season. But that was a, another kind of great card there. You know, some of the highlights. Yeah. Some of the highlights there. You had uh, Rapungi 3K um, against uh, Suzuki Union for the junior tag titles. You had Okada and Osprey against Taichi and Saber. You had Hiromu um, defeating Ryu Lee for the junior title. You had Moxley defending the U.S. title successfully against Suzuki. Uh, and then the main event, you had Naito uh, getting revenge and retaining the titles against Kenta. The one gleaming uh, thing you forgot to mention, I know Rich is going to bring up, Jay White versus Sonata, 21 minutes and 52 seconds, fourth from the top. Well, I, 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 I was saying... <laughs> fourth from the top. So I, I was saying the yeah. highlights. <laughs> But it's, but Look, I'm not I'm not as hard on that match as, as most people are. Uh, oddly, because it's, from the top. it's not like it's correct. It's four from the top, right where it should be. Yeah, this was a really awesome night. I mean, when you think about Takahashi and Dragon Lee back, you know, back to back with John Moxley and Minoru Suzuki, two bangers, and then Naito and Kenta. Even though we gave it some trouble, I mean, four stars from Wrestling Observer Newsletter. It's still you know considered to be a really great match. I mean. Strong show, one of the strongest traditional shows they did all year. That was non Wrestle Kingdom for sure. Yeah, then you, you look at a uh, summer struggle in Jingu. Uh, Notice we've jumped from February all, all the way to August and included no <laughs> New Japan Cup shows at all. Yeah, what, what does that tell you? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we we jumped to August twenty, literally the end of August, almost the beginning of September here with Summer Struggle in Jingu. Um, you know the, the card. I'm not gonna lie; it started off kind of rough with, with uh, Kanamaru and Master Wato, and then you had the the KOPW four way. Uh, once you got those out of the way, it picked up. You had Suzuki defeating Shingo for the Never Title, uh, Ishimori defeating uh, Hiromu for the Junior Title. You had Dangerous Techers uh, defending successfully against Golden Ace, and then uh, Naito. Regaining the title from Evil, probably one of their better matches out of their four match series, and it was kind of the, the big moment there of Lij finally, you know, breaking their code and coming in and helping Naito against Bullet Club. Yeah, and if you judge this this show in the context of it being a full production show, those first two matches aren't even really bad in the sense of like Master Wato is getting an opening spot against Kanemaru. That's fine, you know. The four-way was a comedy four-way, and it was short and sweet, and it was out of the way. I mean, those were just openers. And then after that, after that sizzle, you get nothing but steak for the rest of the show. And it's an outdoor show at a legendary, you know, the ambiance, the atmosphere really added a lot. Plus, it's the largest um, crowd that we'd had for any New Japan show since the COVID era started. Uh, And then the big celebration with Naito standing tall at the end, regaining the titles, the fireworks. So, I mean... It almost had sort of like a old school SummerSlam feel to it a little bit, if you get what I mean. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that there was uh, no New Japan show. There's no damn Dominion uh, on show of the year. <laughs> oh, Dominion sucked this year. I mean, it, we didn't include it, and it's been our our show of the year in in years past. Yeah, man. Uh, jarring. This was uh, this was that, Dominion. But, uh, this was Dominion. This, yeah, this was the real Dominion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just like, um, just like very cool not, atmosphere. Uh, this year's not really super juniors. <laughs> yeah. 
very I, I'll agree with you. Very cool atmosphere for the summer struggle in Jingu. For me, I think people are overstating the the fireworks thing. I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. But um, <laughs> you start getting to um, Shingo and and Suzuki on on the show, and that's like more my speed. That's like you know, fuck the bullshit. Let's get to the you know, let's get to the hitting. You know, let, let, let's leave the girl wire out. You know, let's let's leave, you know, the, the foolishness, the, the rolling out of the ring. Let's roll that. Let's leave that to the side. Rich let's let's like, get back to, you know, <laughs> let's get back to the real, you know. Do you know what Rich sounds like? He's like, fuck that foreplay. Right, right. You know, we, we, we don't need none of that. We, we are talking hard, fast, pounding action here. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. It's <laughs> so funny. Uh, so then we have the uh, the last uh, six uh, G one shows here. So G one night one, two, five, eleven, thirteen, and seventeen. Now, interesting thing here, you got six shows. Some of, I mean, we could talk. You know, Rich was kind of like with a smirk talking about how, oh, well, there's five A block shows. Well, guess what? There's five A block shows. How are the voters going to differentiate between the five A block shows? They're so good that they probably stand a really good chance of splitting votes unless one of them stands out head and shoulders above each other. And like it's almost like they're damned because they're too good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know I'm looking on Cage Match right now on you know the show rankings. And right now, night thirteen, which we have on here, is you know the leading uh, show here, which had the. I'd probably agree with that. Which had the Okada Shingo main event, which got five and a quarter from Dave. It's nine point two nine on Cage Match. Um, you had the Abushi Suzuki match that night. You had Osprey and Taichi that night. Um, Cobb and Ishii. Which was a great uh, opener for the G1 that night, and then you had the kind of quick J1, J White and Yujiro match, which was it was funny. It was kind of a story, kind of elephant match, and it was three minutes, so it wasn't you know got in, got out of there, and so yeah, that was a pretty solid night right there. Yeah, that was a really really great night. Um, you know, many people calling it like the best G1 night of all time. I don't know that I agree with it, but had to be up there. Um, Taking a look at these nights as well. So night um, 17, which was the A Block Finals, I mean, that one really stands out as well. Um, you've got Ishii and Jay White in the main event. You know, barely missed our match of the year category. I mean, literally, like, it was a fraction. Like, basically, we just had to cut it off because we didn't want to have more than 10 matches. But this probably would have been the next one. And then... You're looking at Abushi and Tai Chi with the match where they did nothing but kick each other for 17 minutes, and it's one of the best matches of the year. <laughs> Osprey and Okada with the big Osprey turn in the formation of the Empire. Shingo and Suzuki kind of uh, continuing their feud, having another banger. And then Yujiro and Cobb with the story of Yujiro having won no matches in the tournament, and he finally gets the big W against Cobb, which kind of leads to Cobb's joining up with the Empire. So, like, a pretty important night overall, but also really great matches. Yeah, um, just looking at it, I, this was, uh, as a big Tomohiro Ishii fan, this was um, a great moment. Um, and it, it's rough being an Ishii fan because, you know, there's not a lot of highs that you get. Uh, and, of course, he knocked that, that asshole Jay White out of there, which was always <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, and you brought up the Ibushi and Taichi match, and it was like, 
just such a unique match uh, that I think you have to like kind of admire what they did there. Um, and I'm sure you guys will get to it uh, later, like in one of the other categories. But like this, uh, I think solidified like Taichi. I think um, for a lot of people, like to where it's like. Yes, you got to wrestle in the A block, but you also came to ball um, throughout uh, most of the A block. And you know, the Will Osprey and Okada, kind of a preview match, and we've seen them do better, but this is also pretty good, too. Um, of course, you know, the One Nation Radio 2019 Stardom Wrestler of the Year, B. Priestley, uh, on this show. Um, yeah, just, just a lot of... Yes, yes, double checks. Um, so, yeah, just a very important uh, night. And who could forget, you know, Gabriel Kidd versus Yoda Suji. <laughs> now here's an intro. No, you know what? Those Suji Kid and and Yuya Moore matches, even though they all blend into one another, they were fantastic. They they like made the G1 opening. It was so good. But um, looking at night eleven. Now here's an interesting night. Most of the G1 nights, you had four really good matches, and then you kind of had the Yujiro match, which was still okay but never at the top level. But Night 11 was the night where he fought Ishii. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so you wound up it with... ain't no night off. <laughs> so you wound up with five really good matches. So while this this show didn't peak maybe as high as, say, Night 13 or Night 17, y- you run it down and you're looking at Ishii, Takahashi, Yujiro's best match of the tournament, Okada, Jeff Cobb. The first time that Okada kind of started looking like Okada again in the tournament, Osprey and Suzuki where... Osprey had to go to war and survive Suzuki, and then the two main events, Jay White and Tai Chi, which actually really delivered, despite the idea that it might have been a, a bunch of fuckery, it wasn't. And then Shingo Ibushi in the main event, which like really, really delivered. So like Night Eleven is super strong too. Three first time matches on that. Yeah, and that was kind of a big main event for Shingo, and you know, being a Shingo fan, him beating last year's G1 champion, that was kind of a, a big deal there for Shingo. So that was just an, an overall really fun card. Um, then you look at uh, Night 5, which was another good card. You had in the main event the rematch of Okada and Jay White. You had Shingo and Osprey in the semi-main, Abushi and Ishii, Suzuki and Cobb, and then Taichi and Yujiro. Uh, so, you know, those... those Last, you know, the semi-main and main, um, those last few matches, it was, you know, Bushi and Ishii was in the middle of the card, but yeah, overall, it's another kind of solid card here. The the main event might not have delivered as high as some of the other matches in the card, but it was surprising that Jay White beat Okada again. But then, when you look at Ibushi, Ishii, and Shingo Osprey back-to-back, you're looking at two of the best matches of the year, on, like, literally smack dab in the middle of the show, plus Suzuki Cobb, I mean... Yeah, this is an incredible card. Like, A Block just fucking ruled. Yeah, it was a great night. And then, you know, the the one B Block card that we had here uh, from night two, uh, the first B Block night, um, you know, you had. This night was good. Yeah, it was real good. You had uh, Juice and Yoshi. Throwing some scraps. <laughs> What'd you say, Rich? I said throwing up some scraps. Um,. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you had uh, on this night. You had uh, Juice and Yoshihashi. Yoshihashi, we talked about kind of having this kind of resurgent year, and uh, it's really you know stepped this game up in this G one tournament. Him and Juice had a great uh, match here, and then you went and the in, return of Juice. Yeah, that's right. It was Juice's because Juice was out with an injury, so he missed uh, you know New Japan Strong. So it was the first time we've seen Juice since the pandemic. Um, then you had the Yano and Tanada match, which it was Yano and Tanada that, that kind of count out finish there. Um, then you had Kenta and Goto rematch from uh, Wrestle Kingdom, uh, their never title match. Hard hitting. 
Yep. Then you had uh, Saber and Evil, which you had Saber playing the babyface in this match and beating Evil on night one. I think, I think a lot of people really liked that. Uh, Bro, it's one of it's one of Evil's best matches the entire year. Like this and this match and the Yoshihashi match were like his two best matches. It's crazy. Yeah, and then and then the main event we, we talked about earlier in match of the year with Naito uh, defeating Tanahashi in that classic traditional New Japan main event style matchup. And I think the main reason this this show gets on is like, okay, was it the same style where you had four or five bangers back to back to back like the A block? No, you didn't. But it felt closer to like a traditional New Japan style show where you had variety, you know, all the, you know, a hard hitting match, a technical match, main event style, comedy, opener, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it was all kind of on point. It was by far the best B block night of the entire tournament. Seems like um, if this was a Rubik's Cube, everyone kind of found their natural dance partner on this night. Yeah. Um, Rather than you know we uh, us looking up and it's Goto versus like Yano or something, <laughs> or Goto ver- or Juice Robinson versus you know Kenta or something like that. Like it's not like a natural match, but um, I, I'm just know. guessing here. But like let's say this was May and we booked our way to a Dantaku that looked like this. I wouldn't. I don't think that would be out of place at all. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you talk about natural dance partners, that's what this almost felt like. Was like this could have been a Dantaku literally. Like a B or C level pay per view. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, was there any uh, night one? We didn't, we didn't. We talk about night one. Night one. We we didn't start with it. We got to talk about it. <laughs> so yeah, so opening of the A block, we had in the main event the the Wrestle Kingdom return match between Abushi and Okada. Abushi uh, kind of getting his uh, momentum back, getting the win back there uh, from Okada. Um, not quite. Up to the Wrestle Kingdom standards or the last year's G1 standards, but still a great main event. Um, you had the Jay White and Chingo match, Suzuki and Ishii, Taichi and Cobb, and Osprey and Nudro, which was the first Osprey match that we've seen in New Japan since the pandemic. Uh, another situation where a lot of these guys had natural dance partners and they all excelled against them in major ways. Um, yeah, this was an incredible opening night as well, and and just quality across the board. Yeah, um, I, I remember uh, this whole event, and the um, I think this was the first of the uh, first time we got crowds back, right? No, 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 that was Dominion. The first time we got crowds back, but um, this was um, I, I remember seeing Will come out, and I was so happy for Will. Uh, knowing that he was able to kind of return back to wrestling, you know, after, uh, you know, essentially being in the UK going crazy by himself and knowing how much that guy loves to wrestle, how much wrestling keeps him sane. Um, and he cut that promo after and it was like, I'm the best fucking wrestler in the world. And I say, it, it just like fired us up for, for uh, the G1. Uh, you know, we didn't know he was going to turn heel at the end, but um, I'm not, you know, going to focus on that. Um, I, I think we got a lot of um, things on this night to where we saw who, what was going to come from everyone? Uh, we saw that Yujiro wasn't going to mail that shit in. We saw um, Osprey was going to, you know, raise, take his uh, game to another level. White wasn't fucking around because him and Shingo uh, had an awesome match on this night. Uh, and of course, Ishii and Suzuki are going to be Ishii and Suzuki. Um, Okada, you know, I, I remember the reaction at the time. Like it was, it was kind of a disappointment. But um, what are you going to do? It's, it's, you know, it's not five stars every time you wrestle. So. Well, that is going to do it for show of the year. 
Yep, so next up we have the Jushin Thunder Liger Junior of the Year. Now, you know, typically we would have more nominees for this award this year, but, you know, due to the pandemic and with Best of Super Juniors um, being postponed until after our voting period, so our eligibility for voting was uh, November 15th, 2019 to November 15th of 2020. That is our calendar year for our voting so best of the super juniors uh missed the cut so that'll be eligible for 2021 as well as super j cup so 2021 will probably be you know the year of the junior we'll have a, a lot of great uh junior candidates and junior match of the year candidates but um throughout this year there were five juniors that really stood out um even with the pandemic and made the most of their opportunities so we had elvis barato Hiromu Takahashi, Rocky Romero, Sho, and the Bone Soldier, and current IWGP Junior Champion, Taiji Ishimori. Yeah, uh, you did a great job encapsulating kind of why it's just down to these five guys. Um, one thing i like to point out, Desperado, Ishimori, Sho, Hiromu, those were the four juniors who were still in Japan domestically when they returned from their hiatus. And so, yeah, they'd been active prior to COVID, but when COVID restarted, those are the guys that were given opportunities to be in the New Japan Cup. They're also the same guys that were given opportunities to wrestle in the Never Division against, you know, like, say, Shingo. And so, not you know, we didn't have as many, say, great junior match opportunities for everybody, but we kind of factored in some of those open weight scenarios for some of these guys as well. Right. Yeah. Um. What traditionally, when you think about New Japan, at least for me, um, you start thinking about the rich legacy of the junior division and everything going back to Super Jacob '94, and you know, moving forward, you know, from there with Liger carrying the flag for years and years, and uh, Will, and you know, different champions that have come and gone, like Ricochet. Um, and, but this wasn't one of those years, um, quite frankly, because the <laughs> the calendar uh, determined it not to be. I, I feel like there are two guys that stand head and shoulders above everyone else uh, when it came to their open weight work. And um, I look forward to next year being a more spirited, uh, competitive competition for uh, the Jushin Thunder Liger Junior of the Year. Well, a, a couple uh, accolades just to kind of run over quickly, and then you guys can have a brief discussion about them. Hiromu Takahashi winning the IWGP junior title at Wrestle Kingdom. He held that all the way till he lost it to Taiji Ishimori at Jingu Stadium Summer Struggle. Um, aside from that, you have Sho gaining his first victory over longtime rival Shingo in the New Japan Cup. Um, there was also the uh, junior tag team... Um, Belts, which were held early in the year and gained by Rapungi 3K, which show also was part of that team. They defended those titles several times in great matches before uh, Yo was injured in the New Japan Cup, leaving Show to kind of work a more single-spaced uh, schedule this year. And then Desperado, aside from competing in open weight matches, challenging for titles like we mentioned, him and partner Yoshinabu Kanemaru were able to not only win the vacant tag team titles, but also defeat longtime rivals in Bushi and Hiromu Takahashi in back-to-back matches in the title uh, determinant match. So, you know, those those are kind of the accolades there. Uh, last person, Rocky Romero, someone who was not here domestically after the COVID era, but really had some of the best work and best matches 
all year long in the States in New Japan Strong as well as Lions Break Collusion, working with guys – Collision, working with guys like Danny Limelight, Russ Taylor, uh, Jay White. I mean really holding it down stateside uh, to the point where it was – even though he didn't win any titles, he wasn't even in any tournaments. It was sort of undeniable that Rocky had to be listed here for the amount of work he was doing not in Japan. Right, Rocky was like the, one of the backbones of New Japan of America this year. Um, obviously, in and out of the ring, but especially in ring, like you mentioned, and just some of the feature matches that he had on that program. Oh, plus the front of the show, Rocky the, Romero. Yes, <laughs> plus the great match that him and Taguchi had um, at Road against uh, Rapongi 3K. One of the best junior matches, probably the best junior match of the year, junior tag team match that is. Yeah. Yeah, so overall, these guys had um, some really strong years. I mean, Hiromu Takahashi um, was, you know, just great coming back from the neck injury from the beginning of the year all the way until now. And like you mentioned, Josh, you know, getting that IWGB heavyweight title match against Evil. Um, and, you know, he's just so popular and, and seems to be kind of one of the pillars of the promotion right now. He seems like a weapon of mass destruction that they're reluctant to deploy for whatever reason, just because they have to have him in this certain role just to hold this thing up from collapsing. But this is a heavyweight star. This is a IWGP champion one day. Yeah, I think the junior division at a point right now, especially of not being able to you know, bring in imports uh, into the division like they normally do, uh, you, you need a guy like Hiromu that can be the face of that division and be the star power. You know, You look at the current... Super Junior lineup, even though he's not the champion right now, he is in majority of the semi-mains and main events for this tour. So he is a star of the division with or without the title. Um, And so definitely you kind of need him there until they can create a new star and elevate somebody else until you can get some of the, you know, you can get a Ryu Lee back. You can get, um, you know, a TJP or ACH in in for the tour. Um, and so he's doing this great work kind of being that, you know, face of the division. Yeah, and you kind of have to also... I'm stunned. I don't see Master Watto here. (laughs) (laughs) You you also have to consider with uh, Hiromu, um, with his open weight work, I mean, he defeated, what was it, three heavyweights back-to-back-to-back in Yano, um, Ishii, as well as um, Hanma, which some of those names might not seem so inspiring to you, but like put most juniors in that same situation. They're not going to beat three, you know, qualified heavyweights in a, in a tournament situation like that. And then, you know, go life and death with, uh, um, with Okada. And then not to mention the fantastic title defense he had against Dragon Lee, which, you know, he, he was in back-to-back two of the best junior matches of the year. And then, you know, kind of consider the work that he did prior to Wrestle Kingdom, going back to, like, December, uh, the, the matches with Bushi, the match with Evil, where they were in the tag, tag team against, like, uh, Will Ospreay and, and all that. That stuff also stands out as being really fantastic. I mean, Hiromu's had a banner year. Yeah, then you look at a guy, uh, you know, the, the Bone Soldier, Taiji Ishimori, um, you know, being the junior tag title match in the dome, um, and then eventually winning the the junior title from Hiromu um, at, at Jingu, and now kind of being the you know, the junior champion 
um, it's a guy that he's, he's just a guy that you you kind of we kind of forget about him at times, but he's a great worker and just has some really dynamic matches, especially when he's given that time and you know, the, the motivation to kind of go out there and have a great matchup. And so um, he's he's another guy that's kind of been you know kind of one of the pillars here of this division, especially during this pandemic time. Yeah, the match with Hiromu at Jingu Stadium. Uh, it counts for both of them, but I guess it counts a little bit more even for Ishimori just from the fact that he won the title from Ishimori in, this, in, in the midst of a really strong title reign. And we kind of thought at the time that, that they were kind of freeing up Hiromu to go into the G1, which definitely ended up not being the case. But um, <laughs> Ishimori's had a strong title run since then, and he's kind of carried that into this year's Super Juniors. Um, did he have a title defense recently as well? Uh, I don't think uh, he at, has. At, at Power Struggle, or am I wrong? I know he. There so was... he, had, he hasn't had any title defenses, right? Okay, so I'm, I'm wrong on that, but yeah, still a strong year. Still the tag team matches he had with ELP earlier in the year as well. Um, but I think bring most back of Phantasmo. His... <laughs> <laughs> um, the the one guy that stands that for me, aside from Hiromu, really though is Show. Yeah, Show is definitely making the most of the opportunity with Yo being injured. Like we mentioned, you know the the rivalry with Chingo, upsetting Chingo in the New Japan Cup, and then getting a never title shot, and um, that was kind of a big deal for him. And then um, yeah, just all all the single stuff he's been doing now, and you know he was involved in KOPW as well that, that feud with Sonata over submissions, and um, just he got a lot of real chances to shine this year. Oh, one thing too, we forgot to mention. Um, Hiromu had an IWGP double title <laughs> title shot against Evil. In it's amazing how we just forget all this. Evil was where he's just omitted. It was one of the more well received Evil, probably the most well received Evil title match of the entire year. And then also taking into consideration, Hiromu was slotted to have a special, you know, anniversary match that got canceled with Naito, which was probably going to be a big deal at the time. But um, speaking sure of Despe- over. <laughs> Desperado is very similar to showing that, like, he's really made the most of his opportunities when given the chance, had some great matches in uh, New Japan Cup. You know, him and um, Kanemaru really been holding down the junior tag team division. Kanemaru is injured now, so I don't even know what, what, what the future of that tag team title is currently. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Desperado... The match with Shingo, he's done quite a bit this year, and he's one of the few guys that like kind of reminds me of like Shingo last year, where like he's sort of open weight, like he's right on the threshold of really being a heavyweight, maybe being a junior. He's kind of like in that area. Yeah, I, I think that that he should uh, be allowed to have Doki step in for Kanemaru as his, his partner. Oh my God, Freebirds <laughs> rule, yes. <laughs> Do you Kai? But I think uh, that is pretty much going to do it for the junior of the year talk. Do you want to move on to tag team of the year? Yeah, so tag team of the year. We have the current IWGP heavyweight tag team champions, the dangerous techers of Zack Sabre Jr. and Taichi. We have the current junior heavyweight tag team champions, El Esperado and Kanamaru, representing Sukagoon. We have Finn Juice of uh, David Finley and Juice Robinson, Golden Ace, Kota Ibushi and Hiroshi Tanahashi. We have the 
current never openweight six-man tag team champions from Chaos, Hiroki Goto, Tomo Ishii, and Yoshihashi. And then the former IWGP heavyweight tag team champions, the Gorillas of Destiny, Tamatanga, and Tenga Loa. So on this list, you're looking at the four different teams that have held the IWGP tag team titles this year in Dangerous T, Finn Juice, Golden Ace, and G.O.D. Aside from that, you're looking at Desperado and Kanemaru as being probably the premier junior tag team this year. And then, um, surprisingly, we haven't done this too often, but we've got a six-man tag team here in Goto, Ishii, and Yoshihashi uh, being the only never six-man openweight tag team champions on the list as well. Uh, in addition to that, you're also looking at Finjuice being last year's World Tag League winners and Kanemaru and Desperado being this year's iteration of the Junior Tag Team Tournament winners. Whatever, I don't even know what the name of that tournament was, but they won a, a Junior Tag Team Tournament. It didn't have a name. It was just, <laughs> it was just on road. <laughs> road. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they, there was a tournament for, the, for those vacant titles. They won them. And then there was a tournament for the vacant six-man titles, and Goto, Ishii, and Yoshihashi won those as well. So that's kind of the deal. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, a, man. So y'all saying I I get to vote for Tomohiro Ishii again in another category here? And you know what? He he might win it, man. <laughs> yeah, man. The uh, the never open weight six man titles from the beginning of the year have it's been having some great matches. You look back to the beginning of the year of Lij all the way to now. Um, it's just been one of those titles, and normally it's kind of you know. Uh, titles that are forgotten about, not really kind of great standout matches, but especially when you get to this Never Six Man tournament and you get to the Goto Ishii and Yoshihashi unit and they're winning the titles and defending the titles, those guys are going out there and just having some really great matches and, you know, they're main eventing uh, shows with these six man titles and having some compelling matchups, you know, against like um, Suzuki Goon and the, the, the Chaos team, I think it was Okada, Okada, Yano, and Sho they defended against and just had some really great defenses. Yeah, the, uh, the team against – they had two matches back-to-back against the other Chaos team that were both awesome. They had a match against Golden Ace and Watto. That was awesome. Then they had the match against Dangerous Techers and Doki, which is, like, also awesome. You're talking about, like, four of the best tag team matches this year, all Goto, Ishii, and Yoshihashi. Uh, it's kind of a sleeper pick, but, like, they're one of the best tag teams this year anywhere in the world. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like you start thinking about this this team and these three guys is nothing but hard work, uh, picking up their lunch pail, you know, the hard hat. Like this is this is that team. If you like, you know, dudes that are gonna go ahead and lay it on the line are always gonna work hard. You know, I can once I can again, see, I can see Goto cutting a promo being like, "Hard times is what I'm yeah. in." <laughs> yeah, you don't know hard times, like, daddy. <laughs> Like and, and while these guys weren't able to find success elsewhere, they were able to come together and find success and rule uh, this this division. Yeah, yeah, and uh, um, Goto and Ishii helping Yoshihashi win his first ever titles in uh, New Japan. So that that title win was kind of a special moment there. Yeah, as well, they've kind of paired up uh, Goto and Yoshihashi, and they've also had some other uh, tag team matches. Outside of this, I don't know how much of that you want to throw into it. Plus, Goto and Ishii earlier in the year had a banger against uh, 
Evil and um, Shingo at New Year's Dash, one of the best tag team matches of the year. So, I mean, if you're kind of working that logic, I mean, I don't know. It, it kind of depends what how you want to play with those rules. Um, do we want to talk about these four IWGP tag teams, heavyweight tag teams? Yeah, I think that they all kind of flow together. So you start at the the beginning of the year. You have the the World Tag League winners, Finjuice, um, challenging God, the current champion at the time, for the heavyweight tag team titles. Um, kind of a big deal there. Uh, Finjuice, kind of a fresh team, uh, first time winning the tag league. Kind of kind of coming in as the underdog baby faces against the you know the dominant uh, God duo there, uh, the Sons of Haku. And kind of a big moment there for Finjuice uh, winning their first tag titles at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, and then that, that, feud, yeah. that feud kind of spills over into New Beginning. Uh, we saw some of that here in Tampa and then here in the States with um, Finjuice and G.O.D. And at the end of that tour, G.O.D. ends up getting the titles back from Finjuice in kind of a, a short uh, title reign there, which leads to uh, Golden Ace getting to challenge G.O.D. and winning the titles from them. Um Yep. Um, and then after um, G after Golden Ace wins the title from God, you have Dangerous Techers kind of making their name attacking Golden Ace after that, and that's kind of the pillar feud of the division of Golden Ace and Dangerous Techers uh, started pre pandemic, and then we came back from the pandemic. That was kind of the major tag title feud. I feel like yeah. they have five thousand matches with each other. And you know it's funny; it feels that way, but the reality is, in terms of just straight tag matches, two. They had the match at Dominion, and then they had the match at Jingu Stadium. That was it. But they had so many multi-man matches that involved both of those teams, plus all the singles matches that they had against one another in the New Japan Cup and uh, the G1 that it feels more than it actually was. But Jeremy's right. It was the predominant feud that sort of dominated the entire summer, most of the year, in, in fact. Um one thing about Dangerous Techers, although Finjuice w- was the team that won last year's World Tag League, and keep in mind, Tag League is part of the voting period, Dangerous Techers were far and away the MVPs of the actual tournament when it came to in-ring uh, work. Um, the standout match would be the match they had with uh, Minoru Suzuki and Lance Archer. You kind of couple that with some of the other great matches they had this year, like the one with Osprey and Okada, at New Beginning, the ones that they had with the Golden Ace, uh, the title defenses that they've had since then, including the one recently again with uh, Ishii, or I'm sorry, Goto and Yoshihashi. Um, it's going to be hard for people not to vote for Dangerous T this year, plus the promo work, plus the angles. <laughs> they got a lot going for them. Yeah, so- solid, solid tag team here. I think also, you know, there could be some votes getting split on the fact that Golden Ace is so pop. I mean, it's it's Tanahashi and Ibushi, and we've seen many times where, you know, the tag team division isn't as paid. Like, people don't pay as much attention to it as some of the other uh, awards that we've had. We've seen times where, I remember the first year we had this, uh, War Machine probably should have been the tag team of the year, but they got outvoted by the Young Bucks who had barely been in the company that year and weren't actually the tag team of the year (laughs) that year. Then the next year, they should have been the tag team of the year, and guess what? The Golden Lovers beat them. (laughs) So, like, 
a lot of five star matches to compete with. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is, and 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 all these. T- and you know what? Golden Ace is a fantastic team. I wouldn't be surprised if they win, but I'm wondering how much the popularity of Golden Ace is going to play into the votes because it's Abushi and Tanahashi, and who's not going to vote for them, you know? Right. Right. Um, I'm voting for the Bucks. Geo- <laughs> <laughs> last, last two teams, you got G.O.D. holding it down in um, New Japan of America. Literally... The, the main reason we kept them on here, although they had a strong early part of the year, they just they were dominant every week on strong every week, <laughs> like literally beating all the best tag teams that that were put in front of them. And uh, since they've come back, they've been just doing the same thing. So I mean, you know, hard to keep them off with the fact that they were IWGP champions. They had a really strong uh, tag league last year, and then have just dominated in America during the entire pandemic era. era. Right, and G.O.D. is just one of those, again, kind of foundations of the tag division the last several years, that kind of that one team, that constant, they're, they're always there. And, you know, they've, they've been getting better um, and having some really um, good matches, especially that, you know, you look back to that Wrestle Kingdom match with Finn Juice uh, was really good. And then, like you mentioned, yeah, every week on Strong, whether in singles or in tag matches, there's been, there's been a lot of G.O.D. tags and Bullet Club multi-man tags. Uh, G.O.D. has been really really dominant there. So so are we at the point in the cycle to where, like, we start trying to talk ourselves into thinking Tamatango should do some singles matches again? We're getting close because he's he's looking like a star right now. Look, because it's just like a circle we keep going in, and then eventually we'll be like, oh hell no, put him back in the team. <laughs> time time is an infinite circle, Rich. No, honestly, I'm to the point. Yeah, I, I'm starting a, a new circle. It's should Tangaloa. Tangaloa needs. Tangaloa. Seriously, like this guy, like I, I watch him. I'm like, okay. He kind of low key raw now. <laughs> we're we're at see, the point where we see, can, trying to trick you. Tangaloa needs to be singles with his heater Tamatonga. <laughs> see. <laughs> um, actually, I'm ready for God to be uh, Tamatonga and Hikaleo and free that man Tama or uh, Tangaloa to be uh, singles. You know. <laughs> Bring that but man after back. That, it's our new unit. <laughs> last team, we got Desperado Kanemaru, as we mentioned. Regained the junior tag team titles. Won the tag team tournament. Beat almost every team in the division. Um, just dominance. And they were dominant, you know, for years past. They've continued that trend in 2020. Looks like they're, you know, barring injury, they were probably going to continue that, you know, trend next year as well. Yeah, I, I mean, not much more to add there. I mean, it's Desperado Kanemaru. Um, much like G.O.D., they are the, kind of the a constant and, and foundation of the junior tag division and a team that can that can always be there and a team you can um, normally kind of count on and throw them in there. Obviously, they're always feuding with, like, Rapungi 3K, and they're, they're great kind of heels to go against any kind of Bayface team that you throw in that junior tag division. Well, let's go through this quickly. We got the Carl Gotch Strong Style Award. This is the award for the most strong style centric wrestler of the year. And your nominees are Kota Ibushi, Tomohiro Ishii, Yuji Nagata, Minoru Suzuki, Taichi, and Shingo Takagi. So, how many years 
does Tomohiro Ishii have to win in a row? <laughs> does Ishii have to win this award so we can even at least get a Carl Gotch slash Tomohiro Ishii strong style, uh, <laughs> you know, award? Or can we just flat out replace that old dude? Because I said it last year. I'm going to say it every year. We don't even know who the fuck that is no more. This is Ishii. <laughs> I kid, no disrespect to Carl Gotch, but hey, I'm just gonna call a spade a spade. Um, there's a lot Carl of great, Gotch, great uh, the god of wrestling. Yeah, you know, you know, it shit. You know, you ask me who I got between Gotch and Ishii. Shit, I, you know, you know, you know, the Stone Pit Bulls. Like, <laughs> was Carl Gotch one of the one of the greatest wrestlers in the world for decades straight? Maybe he was. However, yeah, uh, I'll leave it there. <laughs> Had to do my annual spiel for for Ishii. This man's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, I, I could be down with add, adding a slash in there. Call God slash Tomohiro Ishii. You know, look, I mean, Gato won't win. Look, won't let him win none. Why y'all won't let him win nothing? <laughs> I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't know that he's won it that many times for us. Uh, I, I, did did Shibata win it the first year? Yeah, I think Shibata won it the first year, um, but I think Ishii's won it every every year since then. Well, if he, wins it, if he oh my god, <laughs> if he wins it this year, then maybe maybe I'll consider it. <laughs> oh man, look, y'all know what y'all voting for. <laughs> Oh my god. Alright, let's get to this. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, all of these guys on this list here were it featured in some of the most violent, brutal, strong, hard-hitting matches of the year, which we'll touch on when we get a strong style match of the year. But literally every single one of these guys has a very strong, literally strong case to, to win the Strong Style Award. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just looked at the uh, records. Shibata beat Ishii the first year by, like, literally 12 points. And every year since then, it's been, like, landslide for Ishii. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think that might be challenged this year, to be honest with you. We got a lot, we've got some really strong candidates, so, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Yuji Nagata from WCW uh, you yes. <laughs> gotta. He had a resurgent year here, you know, with the pandemic. You know, he was one of the guys that had to kind of call on uh, for New Japan Cup and, and to be featured on some of these bigger shows. So, going in there, having that banger with Minoru Suzuki in the opening round of the New Japan Cup, which is literally one of the most hard hitting and violent matches of the year, and getting the upset on Suzuki to go on to have a, a great match of Okada. And then they had the Suzuki rematch on the Summer Struggle Tour. Um, and then also, you, you look at all of the matches that he has with the Young Lions and the tag matches he has with Young Lions. He'd be slapping the crap out of them boys. <laughs> and so, yeah, Nagai has had a, a really good year. Yeah, yeah um, I feel like... have always been a fa- Oh, God. I was no. Go ahead. You've got other thoughts about Nagata. I was going to move on. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was going to say Nagata is a um, like mind you. They called. They basically wound this guy down in like 2017. They snapped their fingers and were like, "Yo, we need you." <laughs> and he's like, "Okay, <laughs> you know, because all I do is stay in shape and ready at any time." So um, you know, he just walked in there and did him. 
Yeah, it's going to come as no surprise. Um, everybody that's on this list, we're going to say the same thing. Like, they'll beat the shit out of people, and they do, and they're great at it. <laughs> and this might actually be the most diversified year for this award that we've ever had because of when we talked about how this year wasn't the junior year, this became the strong style year by default because that's what we most of these empty arena COVID era matches really just became strong style fights, especially in the G1. And I mean, uh, I'm really torn. I think someone who um, really is going to give Shin or Ishii a uh, run for his money when it comes to the Carl Gotch award this year, Shingo Takagi. I mean, hard-hitting fight after hard-hitting fight. Juniors, heavyweights, doesn't fucking matter. He beat the shit out of people all year long. Like, it doesn't matter if your name's Okada or if your name's Sho. He's going to beat the fuck out of you. So you're saying um, Shingo Takagi is a version of the can man. You know, anyone can get it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, another guy, you know, Tai Chi is a guy who's really continues to step his game up. And this year, man, especially you also get his G1. And obviously we talked about the the Ibushi match where they're like kicking each other for 17 minutes. And, uh, yeah, just some of the other matches that he's had this year. Like, he's really stepped it up. And, I mean, you know, the, that dangerous backdrop driver he does and the, the axe boomba and all the kicks. Yeah, man. Bro, right. the, the Kawada kicks, the axe boomba. The plum clutch, like, there's so much that he's doing right now. You could talk me into Tai Chi being the IWGP champion at some point. (laughs) I don't know. I wouldn't go that far. But I do feel, uh, I feel like this podcast has been ahead on Tai Chi for quite a while now. Um, I remember getting blasted last year when I suggested that maybe he could beat Jon Moxley in the G1. And everybody in our group chat was freaking out. But uh, I don't think it's as crazy as it sounds anymore. Now that people can see what this guy, what we've known about this guy for a while now. Yeah, definitely solidified himself this year. I mean, since we're on the topic, let's talk about Tomohiro Ishii. I mean, we talked about naming the award after him. We already talked about how great his matches were this year. I mean, bro, the headbutts, the throat chops, the elbows, the cells, the enziguris. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, I want to talk about one moment that I'm sure a lot of people don't remember, but I remember I gave like a glowing, like, review to uh, One Nation Radio. New Japan Road, Tomohiro Ishii oh, yes. versus Shingo Takagi. Not the greatest match they've ever had. Still a phenomenal match. Tomohiro Ishii loses, but then he gets up by himself. And walks out under his own power. And you just see the look on, on his face. So inspirational. So just like gut-wrenching. And just like you feel everything for this guy. And he gives it to you. Like if you don't know what I'm talking about. Hell, you can skip the match. Go load it up. Watch the three count. And then watch him walk out the arena. You tell me that's not a champion. My favorite part of it wasn't when he walked out on his own recognizance. My favorite part was when he was still out of it, thought the match was still going. He's on his back, and he tries to attack that man, and he's, he's throwing <laughs> punches. and like, Yeah. yeah that was, <laughs> and like, the match is over, It's over, bro. man. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was awesome. Definitely kind of add some realism to it. Cause you, you see that sometimes in, in MMA where a guy you know gets knocked out and then comes back to it real quick and thinks the fight's still going on. We'll try and 
you know, get some shots in. And so that, that's exactly what happened here. And, yeah, I mean, we don't even really need to go on and explain why Ishii is on here. I mean, if, if you're a fan of New Japan, you know why Ishii is on here and the incredible year he's had. And, you know, somebody he tangled with this year was Minoru Suzuki. Um, Suzuki, again, is always a candidate for this award. Um, we talked about the, the match with Nagata. That was really brutal. They had two matches this year. Um, he's literally, Suzuki's literally had matches with everybody on this list this year, and all of them were very hard-hitting, very brutal. The chops, you know, his, you know, Makai, uh, his evil laughter <laughs> and absorbing pain and his facial expressions, and, yeah, Suzuki's the man. Almost everybody on this list, their most brutal match this year with, was with Suzuki. Almost all of them. Uh, just saying. <laughs> No. But then uh, let's talk about Kota Ibushi, someone who, you know, kind of a hybrid wrestler. He made this list for the first time or, you know, was a candidate for the first time for the Strong Style Award last year. But I feel like this year, even more so than ever, he is a strong, really strong candidate to win this thing based off the body of work that he put out this year. Go ahead, Rich. Oh, yeah, I was going to say he's the most high-profile guy if you look at it going into next year uh, out of everyone on this list. And what he does is probably going to resonate a little more. I think people are noticing now that his style change lends itself to, you know, the strong style work because, like, they're not asking him to do anything athletic. It's like, hey, can you just take it? And we know this man's a psycho. So, of course, he can take it and and dish it. Right, I mean that's a great way to put it. Diving into the you know the, his kickboxing background, MMA background, there his striking ability and stuff like that. And so, again, like we mentioned, Abushi, one of the most versatile wrestlers on the roster, and he definitely adapts well to this strong style scenario here. I got a prediction right now. Someone from the Empire will be on this list next year, and I don't know which of the three it's going to be. I don't know if it's Cobb, I don't know if it's Oka, I don't know if it's going to be Osprey. It could be literally any one of those three with the way that they're working right now. But I'm telling you, come 2020, someone from the Empire is going to be on that list. Just saying right now. I can see that. So let's talk about Feud of the Year. Yep, so our Feud of the Year candidates, we have uh, Jay White versus Kota Ibushi, Kenta versus Naito, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Will Ospreay, Tomoyo Ishii versus Shingo, Nagata versus Minoru Suzuki, Show versus Shingo, Evil versus Lij, Golden Ace versus Dangerous Techers, and Shingo Suzuki, Shingo versus Suzuki, and then Yamura versus Suji versus Kid. In the interest of time, I think each one of us should just take a subject one at a time, give a real brief rundown, and then move on. <laughs> All right. How about you start us off, and young boy? And, and, and actually, let's let Rich start it off. All right. I am. I'm gonna keep it a buck. I don't like a lot of the feuds on this list, and I think it's a um, reflection of what Gato has done a lot of the year, but there are a couple shining spots that are on this list. Um, for me, um, it immediately jumps out as uh, Shingo and, and Ishii. Um, you start looking at Golden Aces and Dangerous Techers, what they actually produce in the ring. Shingo and Suzuki, Nagata Suzuki. Um, from there, there, it's just like a lot of questionable stuff. Um, and you, you said you don't like it, but you named half the list. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like those are the ones I like. Now, now let's get to what I what I didn't like is the other half of the list. And I think um, what what is actually going to be reflected in the voting is the the ones that I did like. They weren't the the highest pushed, high profile things here, but the other ones were. So 
it's going to, I feel like it's going to be very, you know, a lot of missteps were made at the top this year, and this is a reflection of that. Like, Okada's not on here. Like, how? Um, <laughs> Bushi's not on here. Or, yeah, he does. Um, he, Bushi is on, our, on there, sorry. Um, Naito's holding on with a thread on this thing. Um, it's it's uh, not inspiring. <laughs> All right, let's do this then. Me and Jeremy will go back and forth, giving brief rundowns, and you pepper and shit. <laughs> sure. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll start it off. I'll, I'll start off with Yumura, Suji, and Kid. So this is a feud that has kind of run all throughout the year. It's not uncommon to see young lions fighting one another in tag team matches and singles matches throughout the year, but this felt like a more focused thing than ever before especially during the G1 when we sort of had the, the mini C block tournament between these three guys and they all got an opportunity to work in front of these crowds in opening match capacity against each other in a round robin sort of scenario. And they just put on some of the best, most consistent junior matches we've seen all year. And it was so focused and tailored in on, on these three guys specifically that we had to. We just had to like put this uh, <laughs> this young line feud on on the docket. Like, were there any match of the year candidates? No. But when you're talking about, you know, the best matches between three guys. I mean, this is the best series of matches between three guys in the, in, in the company all year long. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, and you know, this this won't be the first time that we put a young lion uh, feud on here. In uh, 2018, we did have. Uh, Suji and Yamura were were on there again. That's kind of when they came into the company and kickstarted their feud. Um, so we, we have highlighted uh, young line rivalries in this category right. in the past. And again, especially like you mentioned with their work in the C block this year in the G one, all three of these guys, all of them are. I know it's, it's you know a work, but they are all three trying to kind of outwork each other and trying to earn that kind of spot and work towards you know who's gonna you know graduate first. Um, Absolutely, Jeremy. What what's something else that stands out for you? Uh, one that I wanted to highlight was uh, Golden Ace versus Dangerous Techers. Um, like Rich mentioned, this is kind of a year where some of the the heavyweight feuds weren't really there. But one of the feuds that were there was a, a tag title feud, and having these this mega team of Kota Ibushi and Hiroshi Tanahashi come together. You know, everybody's been saying, you know, put some focus on the tag division, put some of these guys that are not in the title picture in the moment, stick them together and let's, you know, do have some super teams. And that's essentially what we got here. Two kind of super teams here with Tanahashi and Ibushi and then Zack Sabre Jr. and Taichi kind of solidifying themselves as, you know, a tag team here. And with this few kickstarting, we had Golden Ace winning the tag titles uh, at the beginning of the year, defeating G.O.D., which then immediately led into this few dangerous checkers. They, they laid them out there at New Japan Road and kind of called their shot. And then we had the pandemic and they came back and, kind of kick-started things there, and, and well, this feud, it had a lot of layers to this feud. We had the whole, you know, Dangerous Techers, they, they win the titles at Dominion, and then they're trying to get Ibushi to join Suzuki Goon and to turn his back on Tanahashi. We had all those segments there where, you, you know, Ibushi wouldn't help Tanahashi and was kind of debating it, and all of the promos between Tanahashi and Ibushi, and Tanahashi feeling he was letting Ibushi down, and Ibushi wanted to be a god, and all this leading to <laughs> the, uh, the the Jingu uh, rematch where everybody thought Golden Ace was going get, to get the belts back, but Dangerous Techers once again defeated them and kind of put the nail in the coffin for that team. 
Another one to throw out there, Saber versus Osprey. Now, this is one that I think some people might look at it and kind of say, well, they had the one match that was really good at New Beginning, but there's a lot of, you know, feuds that had one match. Why are they not listening here? Why is John Moxley and Minoru Suzuki not here? Something of that nature, you know? But the difference with Saber and Osprey versus some of those other great one match feuds is that it really wasn't just one match. They also had the rematch just a week or two later in RevPro, which, granted, is not New Japan, but it is part of the kayfabe of the company. The RevPro title is almost treated as like a secondary title or a third, third-tier third title in New Japan at this point anyways. And it was also featured on New Japan World, so it was easily watchable by most you know uh, people that were in the – you know that uh, have subscriptions. But beyond that – the continuing feud between the two of them all throughout the New Beginning tour, including, like Jeremy mentioned earlier, the really fantastic five-on-five uh, -five elimination match that resulted in Osprey defeating Saber so that he could gain his title opportunity shot in RevPro. When you kind of couple the, the fact that those were two of the best matches of the year anywhere in the world, plus the great multi-man matches that kind of surrounded it, Sabre Osprey has to be in play as one of the best feuds of the entire year. Yeah, I definitely think that's a dark horse pick right there. So do you want to highlight anything else, or you want to move on to the, uh, the next category? Uh, well, I mean, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Evil and L.I.J. Um, <laughs> Rich is laughing, but, like, let's... <laughs> Let's keep let's keep it a buck. This is the biggest feud of the entire year in the in the company. Um, now, was the match quality as good as some of these other feuds? No, it wasn't. But when you're talking about Evil versus Lij, you're not just talking about Evil against Naito. You're talking about Evil against Naito, and Hiromu, and Sonata, and all the multi matches involving Bushi, and it's the story that has dominated. The entire year and feud of the year is not like we mentioned earlier we don't have strict criteria it's not just what is the best wrestling matches of the year uh you know last year's feud of the year winner was suzuki and um liger which was you know one match followed by a bunch of other you know run-ins and angles and things like that it wasn't strictly the best matches which Probably would have been, what, Naito and Ibushi? Yeah. Last year? So sometime, but other years we've had, like, Okada and Omega win, obviously. So, you know, it kind of depends. Um, I don't know that this will win, but, I mean, there is a chance that it does get quite a few votes because it's just, it's been the predominant, it's what's dominated both top titles in the company, most of the tournaments, biggest angles of the year. It's, it's, the, it's a big deal. So, like, Evil versus Naito was so bad, we had to absorb the rest of LIJ to, to cover this. This is what this sounds like. Um, four IWGB title matches, not enough to make it on. Um, That's true. We, we, definitely damning. Would, we definitely would not have nominated just Evil and Naito, but Evil versus LIJ, for sure we will. Look, just wanted it out there. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, obviously, if, you, if you're a fan of this show, you know our, our thoughts on the Evil vs. Naito matches and feuds, and we, like you mentioned, we just couldn't put that standalone, but if we incorporate the whole LIJ feud from the turn 
you know, him, uh, how he treated Sonata in New Japan Cup leading to, um, you know, the Okada match and where he turns and joins Bullet Club and leading to the whole Naito series, the match with Hiromu, which was one of his better title defenses. And the multi-man tags were not bad. Uh, the multi- no. Most of the multi-mans were better than his singles matches. So if you incorporate the whole feud, obviously there's tons of promos, angles, you know, we had their emergence of Dick Togo, new characters and stuff like that. Like this feud did a lot as far as story progression. I was just yeah. going to ask, can we just change it to Evil and Dick Togo versus L.I.C.? <laughs> 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 and the Garrote Wire! <laughs> and ending this, uh, this section, you know, you look at some of the uh, feuds that Rich mentioned initially Shingo Suzuki, three of the best matches of the entire year, uh, probably the best collection of matches in a feud. Um, Ishii Shingo or uh, Ishii Shingo back to back great matches. Show Shingo same thing plus the long storied history between the two of them and you know the redemption of Show finally getting his big uh, singles victory over Shingo Nagata Suzaka. Or, I'm sorry, Nagata Suzuki. Um, Kenta Naito, White Abushi. I mean, you've got a lot of really great in-ring work between you know all these different feuds here for sure. Yeah, definitely some uh, some solid feuds here. Obviously, not maybe you know there's no Omega Okada on here, but there's still uh, a lot of great feuds in a, in a kind of a down year, especially with the pandemic going on. So next we have the Big Van Vader Gaijin of the Year. It is not the Kenny Omega Gaijin of the Year award, uh, Rich Latta. Should be, but <laughs> should be. <laughs> the Big Van Vader Gaijin of the Year. This is where we award the most outstanding foreigner in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And uh, our category nominees this year are Finn Juice, the Gorillas of Destiny, Jeff Cobb, Will Ospreay, and finally the Switchblade, no, the Switch King, Jay White. <laughs> yeah, you know, much like 2020 was a down year for the juniors, it's also a down year for the Gaijins because of the pandemic and a lot of guys not being able to get back in. One of the things that kind of helped out the Gaijins here this year was uh, New Japan Strong uh, on the starting of that show, which kind of helped. And then obviously some of these Gaijins were able to get back into the country um, in time for G1, which kind of helped some of their cases here. Um, and you look at a guy like Switchblade Jay White, who you know had uh, was a part of Double Gold Dash at the beginning of the year. Um, he lost to Naito, but then he, he defeated Kota Ibushi, um, and then kind of went on in the year and uh, came back. Had a good G One. He's the, he now has the briefcase. Uh, he was one of the featured guys on New Japan Strong uh, with the whole Bullet Club War against Hontai. Uh, so definitely Jay as kind of one of the top pillars of the company was um, a guy that definitely stood out this year. Yeah. And the, fortunately we did a great job kind of showcasing Finn juice, God, Will Ospreay and Jay white earlier when we talked about tag team and wrestler of the year. The one guy that, that we haven't really talked a lot about is Jeff Cobb and, you know, Jeff Cobb has kind of been sort of uh, an anomaly in the company where it's like, is he signed? Is he not signed? He's here part time. He's doing tours and year after year, he's kind of, gained more of a foothold as far as his position in the company. And now he's like apparently officially signed. And like you mentioned, Jeremy with new Japan strong, he did a lot of work for the company in America. He did like the new Japan, uh, the new beginning tours early in the year. He's, he did work on both 
lines break collision as well as strong plus working the G1 having a very I would say a, a breakout G1 for him at least and then you know joining uh, the Empire at the end of the year so I mean Jeff Cobb is really sort of coming to his own as well within the company. Hey, a very thin uh, guys into the year category. Uh, so I guess the uh, the pure elitas got what they want. You know, they, you got New Japan just you know how you want it. So uh, real, real, you know, n- not really adding a bunch of flavor to it. You know, um, but yeah, like, like you guys said, all these guys, um, you know, it was tough for them to get over there. Um, I would I would question why Moxley, you know, couldn't have stolen a spot here. But um, I, I I understand um, why why you didn't. You know, just due to his popularity and and Paul's... Yeah, I was going to say, because he has, like, you know... I was going to say, he has, like, a tour there. He has two Wrestle Kingdom matches. He had, you know, the match with Suzuki there. Um, And I think he had a big tag team match with Okada, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, I I just don't know if it's enough. Uh, That's what we ultimately felt like. We, We kind of considered Mox, and we came to the conclusion, we're like, you know what, um... Five matches this year that might qualify him for some of these other awards. And he is he is listed on some of these awards, but for Gaijin of the Year, meaning like the top foreigner in the company who represents the company, I mean, he's almost right. at this point truly an AEW guy. So we just didn't feel like with five matches and just strictly one tour, it was really enough. But I mean, we weren't far off from putting him on here. You're not you're not like wrong necessarily. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, this is a two horse race. Like, like it's gonna be like for, and it's ironic. It feels like these guys are going in opposite directions, character wise. Um, which I don't know if you know. You <laughs> mean, you, me. mean, you mean Juice and or uh, Finn Juice and God? Because uh, yeah. Oh, I uh, who, who else do you think I, I, I would be referring to? <laughs> you know. Uh. But seriously, uh, Osprey and White. Um, you know. It's like, what flavor do you like, you know, out of those two? Um, I think, you know, the status quo was where it's at, but they're heading in different directions, possibly. Yeah, I mean, Jay and Osprey are two guys that have always kind of been opposite of each other and have had a feud ongoing here. And now things are very interesting now that Osprey is also a heel now and running his own faction in Empire and... There's been a lot of rumors of whether or not Jay would turn face with the, the whole evil fall from Bullet Club, and that is yet to be seen. And it could happen down the line, but they're definitely two kind of career rivals, and have kind of you know been going back and forth with each other, and uh, are probably going to be the, the guys that majority of the first place votes get split between here. One one last uh, determinant factor. Uh, I don't know how much this will play into the voting, but if you want to look at the representation these guys have had outside of New Japan, meaning like their their work abroad, I think you have to kind of give the edge to Jeff Cobb and Will Ospreay as they both did quite a bit of work outside. Cobb wrestling all over the world, showing up on AEW, working for Ring of Honor, you know, working in OTT, you know, basically everywhere. And then Ospreay having fewer excursion matches than he normally does, but, you know, his match... In Australia, his match in the UK, the match he had with B Priestley for Wrestle Talk when the <laughs> yes. uh, when COVID first happened. I mean, so I mean that's another kind of factor there because when we talk about guys, we're talking about foreigner, and these foreigner wrestlers oftentimes will work outside and kind of represent the company. And I, I think that's another thing to sort of 
just kind of keep in keep in mind as well. Well, I think from there we can move on to the next category. We have faction of the year, and so our nominees we have the Bullet Club. Hold on, before you mention it, Rich, do you want us to name this the Lij Faction of the Year award because they've won it every single year since we started? I mean, if you want to reward, you know, them, go ahead. I mean, you know, the <laughs> look, you know, get get more stuff that you really ain't, you know, really earn or, you know, or, you know, it don't quite resonate. I mean, that's that's the L.I.J. way, you know. So, hey, that's on you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So the, the nominees for Faction of the Year, the Bullet Club, Chaos, Huntai, L.I.J., and Suzuki Goon. Hey man, sign me up for Suzuki Goon uh, on the low <laughs> out here because Bullet Club disaster, chaos—they barely even know each other. Hauntai. Whoa, 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 whoa! Hold on, calm down. I, I'm with you on Bullet Club and chaos, but let's not talk shit about Hauntai. Hauntai's been fucking raw this year. I I voted for Hauntai. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I told I you. Did, I did vote for them. I'm not saying which place I put them in, but I I put them in one of the three. Yeah, I mean, with, with the factions, we normally have... This is pretty much the same list that we, we have every year. Um, I'll say the one kind of difference here is normally we would have uh, Taguchi Japan in that Huntai nah, spot. fuck all that. <laughs> but we just went with overall Huntai. I mean, that's the real unit, and that's kind of... I mean, Taguchi Japan... Really Taguchi Japan seems done. Yeah. Um, notice there was no Empire here, obviously. They just got started so we didn't feel like it was fair to put them on but maybe next year and who knows we might i have a feeling we might not even be seeing chaos next year this might be the last time we see chaos um who knows what's gonna happen with bull club going forward i mean transitional year but uh very interesting between these uh five groups here um any chance lij doesn't win it again especially with the with the break with evil and everything i i think they're gonna dominate this because you know uh, if it's one thing LIJ fans uh, are used to doing is fan voting for stuff. So, well, they they win the majority of all the votes, which would mean more than just diehard LIJ fans are voting for them. Almost every year, they get almost all the votes. Yeah, I, I think especially this year, looking at these units, like LIJ is the one unit that's really featured together. They team a lot together. They do have the run-ins together. They kind of. I don't know. Out of all these factions, they feel like like a real kind of you know faction as you would think of, or some of these other like a chaos kind of feels like an MMA team. Like, oh, you you represent chaos, but you know not necessarily always like in their space or being together with them. Also, they have different. Also, the six man units on the tag units that they've had this year, but I, I feel like Lij is the even with evil leaving is still like probably the strongest unit on here. You do is barely save each other. Well, uh, Rich was kind of right in the fact that, like, you got Suzuki Goon, which is a strong candidate. I mean, we've seen this year, you know, the pictures with Suzuki holding the Never Belt, and then, you know, Kanemaru and Desperado holding the junior titles, and then Dangerous T holding the heavyweight belts. And so, I mean, they've won quite a few titles, been pretty dominant throughout the year. So, I, I actually could see them getting quite a few votes as well. Um, yeah, I, I got to call spade a spade. I just don't see Bullet Club or Chaos doing very well this year. I could be wrong on that. It feels like it's a three-way race between Hauntai, LIJ, and suzuki Goon. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's pretty much 
it here. I don't think there's much really. I mean, we've talked about a lot of the key guys in all these factions. Um, you, you know which faction uh, we got. A, we have a hotly contested next uh, subject: the most improved award. Um, and our nominees are Jeff Cobb, Doki, Show, Taichi, Yoshi Hashi, and then the Young Lions: Yotsuji and Yuya Yumura. Rich, any of these names uh, standing out to you? There are people that will argue Tai Chi has are there. There's not been much improvement. Um, there are people that will say Tai Chi was already great. Like there, there is a dangerous sea, uh, you know, Lord Tai Chi uh, section out there. I'm very aware of. Um, but for me, I I completely look at Tai Chi, tai Chi as a completely different guy. Doki. I just nothing but positive things uh, coming from this guy. You got little kids dressing up like him. He's getting over. Um, but if you don't start talking about Yoshihashi in the G1, what he did every every day, there's just the Yoshi, I ain't no punk bitch, Hashi. Like, <laughs> you, you got to respect that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think um, great cases for all three of those guys. Yoshihashi winning his first title, Doki starting to win matches. Um, here's the thing with Taichi. You're absolutely right. Taichi's always been great, but you know, uh, a year or two ago, we put Zack Saber on our most improved list, and people were like, you know, crying about it, being like, he's one of the best wrestlers in the world. How much could he improve? The most improved award is not strictly about how much better of a worker they become, because the reality is. Everybody who's in New Japan, top to bottom, are already great workers. This ward is oftentimes also about their placement within the company. If we see an emphasis in how they're pushed, how they're booked, the opportunities they are given, and what they make of those opportunities, we will recognize it. And that's what we kind of saw with Taichi. Not only has he been working better, but he also has maximized his opportunities to showcase himself in a better light than he did, say, three years ago. Right. Had a big match with Okada on the New Beginning Tour. And obviously the, this you know run with Dangerous Techers as uh, tag team champions, his G1 this year. Yeah, definitely calling for him to be on this in this category. I think two other standouts. You got Show. Like we've mentioned so many times, I mean, I, I can't like understate how big that win over Shingo was, but his his work as a singles has been just really, really awesome. The fact that him and um, Yo finally defended the junior titles for the first time successfully ever <laughs> in their time in the company was a big deal. But him really kind of becoming his own man and stepping out on his own, we've seen shadows of it, but really the fulfillment of it this year, that's been a big deal. And then, um, like we talked about, in the previous section, Jeff Cobb really coming into his own within the company as well in a major way, especially during the G1. Yeah. Uh, and for me, I just, I just want to throw some more love towards Doki. Uh, he is one of the guys that I voted for, for this category. I'm not going to say which place, um, but yeah, this is a guy that when he came in last year, me along with several others were very down on him, uh, but he's shown that he's a great worker. He's turned things around and it's been really having some great matches and doing some great work. And, you know, he, he's, you know, one of the standouts right now in the junior division. 
hey, if you're going to throw more love on him, I'm going to throw more love on Yoshihashi. This is a guy that I literally said I would never support in any way. And then I was rooting for the guy when he won his title. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I haven't stopped rooting for him since. And you know what? He even kind of fixed the shitty butterfly lock. It's still shitty, but he added a little key lock to it. So it's, it's, it's gotten better. Yeah. Oh, it, it, and and if Tanahashi wasn't in that B block, he would have been the MVP. <laughs> <laughs> True. All right. So anything else there on most improved? Suji and Yamura just continue to get better year after year. They're like a fine wine. I can't wait to see what happens when they finally do go on their excursions and come back if they ever do. But man, they're fucking awesome. Both of them. Yeah. Great young lines. So that takes us to the next category and a new category that we created for 2020, and that is the New Japan of America MVP. So for this category, we have nominated ACH, Clark Connors, Danny Limelight, Jay White, Jeff Cobb, Carl Fredericks, Kenta, Rocky Romero, and the great TJP. The great TJP. Just a heads up, guys. Um... Are you guys going in a different order? I think I think Jeremy's going in a little bit different order because I'm also looking at the Google Doc and I've got uh... same. <laughs> I thought it was newcomer of the year next, but that's okay. Me too. So, uh, but I just was going to kayfabe it, you know. My, my bad. Yeah, I, yeah, I, was, I was looking at uh... uh I'm shattering the four walls. You know, exposing <laughs> the business. Kayfabe. Yeah, I was looking at uh my my Excel doc uh, that we copied over into the other Google Doc. Gotcha. That's fine. Um. But as far as this uh, category here, MVP of America, I mean, you know, this kind of encompasses both the New Japan of America tours that we saw starting in February with the New Japan uh, or with the New Beginning in America tour, uh, kind of covers over into the Lions Break Collision show and then culminates with uh, Strong. And, um, you know, all of these guys here major players in in most of those capacities this year yeah i mean all these guys just have um we're, we're kind of the standouts here on strong um you know with this kind of new programming kind of be forcing in this empty arena studio environment uh these were the guys that stand out uh, you know one of the guys that i'll just shout out real quick is the the alpha wolf carl fredericks this was a guy who uh, graduated from being a young lion on this program uh, on New Japan Strong. He was featured heavily on Lions Break Collision with that feud with Jeff Cobb and then just kind of being a kind of standout guy in the, the rivalry with Bull Club on this show and you know, cutting a lot of promos. He's the one guy that there's kind of been a lot of character, character progression with and somebody that they've kind of built around for uh, New Japan of America. Yeah, I think you got some different tiers here, and I can kind of simplify it. So you got Fredericks and Connors sort of being like your L.A. Dojo representatives. Uh, like you mentioned, Fredericks sort of graduating, but still the two of them representing the L.A. Dojo. Um, aside from that, you've got like your major stars in Jay White, Rocky Romero, Kenta, and Jeff Cobb, sort of the known commodities who work both in Japan but also here in the States and sort of been like the anchors of this new project. Then you've got a third group of guys which are like TJP, ACH, and they're sort of like also, they're like the indie guys. They're like known commodities. They've been in New Japan before. They're not currently like 
regular stars over in Japan necessarily, but they're the ones who are like showing up on the strong show and just having great matches. And then the final um, you know, group I would call is like your California guys. And out of all of them, Danny Limelight's the one guy we really saw fit to include in this group. And he's like sort of the guy that like the LA Dojo discovered and have given an opportunity to and has made the most of his opportunity. And, you know, more so than like say your Mysteriosos or, you know, Regal Twins, whatever, like Danny Limelight is the guy who's like really made a name for himself here in Strong so far. I'm shocked Josh didn't try to um, squeeze Russ Taylor onto this. Uh, I didn't advocate for him. I like Russ Taylor. The only problem is he was only on a couple episodes during uh, Lions Break Collision. If he showed up on Strong, he would have been on this shit. <laughs> yeah, he just recently uh, reemerged. Returned. Yeah. Yeah, he's now uh, part of that. Yeah, a- I'm, I'm going to leave it up to the voters on this one. Um, I, I really didn't watch too much um, Strong. Um, but I did watch Carl Fredericks um, in the Lions Break, like those first like four episodes. And he was awesome. So, yeah. um, and he was clearly the guy they were building this thing around. And um, it's good to see people like ACH resurface. Um, you know, that didn't get a look from AW anywhere. That left WWE under circumstances he did, and then he was able to kind of just you know reemerge here and remind people why he's one of the best guys. Because all I hear are positive reviews. Um, from ACH. I, I'm excited about this category just because this is a new project, new opportunity for a lot of these guys, and we kind of get a chance for the, the voters to sort of voice their opinion as far as where they think, you know, who, who is like, who's been the MVP so far since this whole experiment, whether it's gone good or bad, who is the top guy so far, which is awesome. Yeah, very interesting to see who's going to uh, kind of come out on top here. Um, I'm going to take us next to Newcomer of the Year and just kind of keep in line with the original order. <laughs> um, we've got Alex Zane, Danny Limelight, Dick Togo, Gabe Kidd, Master Watto, and Mysterioso. Yeah, so um, an interesting year for Newcomer of the Year. Um, you, you might consider... Weak, it, it's a weird year. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah <laughs> it's, it's definitely a weak year. Also, in the past... I mean, like last year, we had John Moxley and Kenta uh, as, as nominees for Newcomer of the Year. You, you look back at the previous years, there's, there's a lot a lot of big guys. Shingo, Ishimori. You're right. And so, obviously, not not the, uh, the pick of the litter here. <laughs> Well, one one thing we've changed this year. In the past, if a young lion emerged, we would count that as their newcomer of the year status. And then we had previously not allowed people who were coming back from excursions to be counted as newcomers. You know, and I think that kind of screwed things up. We we discounted like say Jay White, we discounted Hiromu, we discounted Rapongi 3K. But me and Jeremy have come to the collective uh conclusion that we think when a guy comes back from excursion it should be almost like a second re-emergence as long as it's a new character a new gimmick and that's the decision we've kind of decided upon so even though Wato was here previously as Harai Kawato we included him in this group as Master Wato and you know based on the in-ring work it's like it's two different people so <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, you've Dick got, Togo um, being a nominee, that's just pure comedy. <laughs> well, Dick Togo's also an interesting one. That was a judgment call on our part because he's been in New Japan many times over the past 20 years. 
But when you look at the records, he's never worked more than, say, a single tour per year ever, never been signed, never been a regular roster member in any actual capacity, never had a real run in the company. Um, most of them have been one-off matches. And this is the first prolonged run in the company, especially in a managerial uh, role. So we kind of made the call. And we're like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to include Dick Togo. Yeah. I think uh, I might uh, lob up a, go- a goofy vote for for Dick. <laughs> 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 um, and we uh, we already kind of highlighted Daniel Limelight in the New Japan of America MVP. Uh, Alex Zane um, was a guy that we've seen kind of coming on, working a lot of the U.S. tours. Um, unfortunately, it's going to be the last time he's nominated for anything because he's now being signed to WWE. He, he decided, he decided <laughs> yeah. not to yeah, go retire. Yes. Yeah, we talked about. We talked about the newcomer of the year, and he's already gone. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, you got Zane Limelight and Mysterioso as sort of like your uh, U.S. guys. Then you got Togo and Watto sort of kind of coming back. And then Gabe Kidd, he's the junior of the bunch, or the uh, the young line of the bunch, I should say. Yeah, so an, an interesting kind of mix here. I mean, if you're you're not really following uh, New Japan strong, I guess you're you're going to be leaning towards, you know, Gabe Kid, Wato, and Dick Togo here. Hey, I'll say this. Uh, I think that this could be the first year that a young lion wins this newcomer of the year uh, in Gabe Kid. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but you know, I think Wato's got some fans out there. He might get some votes. But um, if you haven't seen Mysterioso. Alexander Danny Limelight work in the States, you should check that shit out. Especially, dude, Mysterioso, they got him listed as a junior, but he's really a heavyweight, but he works like a junior. It's kind of, I mean, it's awesome. He's yeah. great. All right, so now we're going to move on to Fighting Spirit Award. And uh, this award. Yes, back in sync. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm back on, I'm on script now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, following the script, uh, so Fighting Spirit Award, and so this is awarded to, um, it, it's almost kind of like the, uh, kind of an, a career achievement kind of award, or somebody that's kind of fought through adversity, um, kind of made like a big kind of comeback, and so you'll, you'll kind of get the gist based off of the the nominees here. So we have nominated Naito winning the double gold dash, Liger's retirement matches and ceremony, Nakanishi's retirement uh, match and ceremony. We had NJPW's handling of COVID-19, Hiromu's New Japan Cup run, Eugene Nagata's resurgence, Yoshihashi wins his first title, Ishii MVP of New Japan Cup and G1, Abushi wins the G1 back-to-back, and Suzuki best career year for an over-50 wrestler. This is a tough... I like it because this is a... Oh. No good, Rich. I was going to say, I like it because it's a good mix of, like, kayfabe stuff as well as, like, kind of real-life stuff that um, that you can really connect to. And it's, it's going to come down to, you know, what type of voter you are, just like every other award. Of course, that's cliche, but um, if you value that kayfabe accomplishment, if you value that something a little bit more real you can hold on to, there's a spot for your uh, for you to select from. Yeah, that's uh, that kind of echoes the sentiments I had. Was I was just thinking like same thing. It's like uh, what what is important to you? Is it you know? And that, like for instance, um, oh man, it's it's you've also got a mix of uh, some things that are like a hybrid. You know, Liger's retirement match and ceremony uh, along with Nakanishi. That's like it is kayfabe, but it, it's also a celebration of 
their real careers and their real retirements. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, look at Ishii when being the MVP. I mean, he wasn't booked to be the MVP necessarily. He was, I mean, in a sense he was, but it's like, it's kind of kayfabe in that, like, he had the best performances, but it's also real because, like, that man went through hell to do that shit, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. <And> <laughs> so, I mean, um, there's, there's U- just a lot there. Eugene Nagata, who we talked about earlier, who they kind of, you know, called upon during the pandemic to, um, you know, be used in New Japan Cup and have and be used as a player there. Uh, I mean, Naito winning double, double gold dash. I mean, that was a whole story and journey in itself of Naito struggling to get to that top spot and to, you know, finally beat Okada and win the title. Was it like six years? Something like that, yeah. Um, and kind of one of the main stories that was going on when we started this show. Hiromu running through the New Japan Cup as a junior, very inspiring. Um, I mean, Suzuki, we've, we've talked, we've gushed over his career this year, so you know all the reasons why, but I mean, 52 years old, accomplished all he did this year. Insane. Yeah, and also, you know, New Japan's handling of COVID-19, uh, also everybody being thrown out of whack here with COVID, uh, but also New Japan uh, was one of the highlight promotions on kind of how they handled the pandemic and actually shutting down uh, for several months and putting together those um, together project type of shows and trying to keep content going out there until they could um, safely return and start off with the empty arena and finally working their way back to having Fans and as of right now, there have been no cases that have been traced back to any New Japan shows, and they've been able to slowly kind of increase the the limit of fans that they've been brought in, and they've just handled this thing so well. Yeah, I'd like to talk more about that during news story of the year for sure. But yeah, you bring up a great point. And then last couple things: Yoshihashi winning his first title, Abushi winning the G One back to back. I mean, these are the kinds of things that you as a fan can really like. They're kayfabe, but you can just buy into them because it's your your guys getting their moments that they deserve, and it's it's awesome to see that sort of stuff happen. So it's great. Well, I think from there we can move on to the Joshua Smith Young Boy of the Year Award. <laughs> <laughs> is Joshua Smith nominated? It is not. It is not named the Joshua Smith Young Boy of the Year Award. <laughs> But uh, nominated, we have uh, Alex Coughlin, Clark Connors, Gabriel Kidd, Yota Suji, and Yuya Uemura. I'll keep it brief. You've got five guys that have just really, you know, showcased themselves in in a great way this past year. This is an incredible class of young lions. And, um, you know, I think it's going to be tough for those those two, uh, you know, LA Dojo America guys to kind of, out outshine what we've seen from the uh, the Nogi Dojo guys, including Gabe Kidd. Yeah, Gabe Kidd looking like Brian Danielson at times. Um, uh, he, he reminds me of um, uh, Kyle O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and uh, I always have liked uh, Uemura myself. He's just he's got the look. He's going to be a star, and he can wrestle. Yeah, and then, you know, speaking of, you know, the L.A. guys, you know, Clark Connors, he's, you know, been one of the guys that we kind of talked about on New Japan of America MVP. He's been one of the highlights on New Japan Strong and on the, the U.S. programming. And like we mentioned all time, just reminds me of, uh, you know, a, a young Chris Benoit with just the, his intensity and um, just the way he moves around in the ring. And 
he's definitely going to be a, a great asset moving forward. Um, Alex Coughlin, unfortunately, he suffered an injury um, at the beginning of you know the tapings of Strong and stuff like that. So he's been kind of missing um, from the scene. I think he's going to be coming back for the Super J Cup uh, tour, I think, or uh, coming back soon at least. And so he's a guy that's going to be kind of hurt by uh, inactivity in the, the latter half of the year. Well, we can move on, but let me just say this. Fuck y'all, Suji, FTW. <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, we'll skip over New Japan of America. That, that was next, and I, I jumped ahead <laughs> on that. <laughs> uh, we got the fight of the year. Yes, the strong style fight of the year. Oof. Evil versus us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Gato versus Rich's Patience. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Uh, so nominees here, we have uh, John Moxley versus Norzuki from New Beginning in Osaka, Tomohiro Ishii versus Shingo Takagi from New Japan Road, Yuji Nagata versus Norzuki from New Japan Cup, Sho versus Shingo Takagi from New Japan Cup, Norzuki versus Shingo Takagi from Summer Struggle in Jingu, Tomohiro Ishii versus Norzuki from the G1, Kota Ibushi versus Tomohiro Ishii from the G1, Taishi versus Tomohiro Ishii from the G1, Kota Ibushi versus Shingo Takagi from the G1, Noro Suzuki versus Kota Ibushi from the G1, and Kota Ibushi versus Tai Chi from the G1. Yeah, man. A lot of great um, matches. You know, New Japan's dead, right? They're washed, right? Nothing good's coming out of New Japan anymore, right? Shit's, shit's over. The in-house style is done. Gato needs to hang it up. This shit's done, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is the best in-ring product. Don't like People need to just stop getting it twisted. This is the best in-ring product in the world, including AEW, including Dragon Gate, including whatever Lucha, Indie, major company you want to mention, this is where the good matches are happening, and this proves it right here. Look at this fucking list. It's incredible. Yeah. And, and they should let some of this stuff headline. They did. <laughs> Almost all of it did. <laughs> yeah, and, and, we, and we had to, you know, narrow this list down. I mean, we had several... Bro, we had like 45 matches. Yeah, there were several candidates that we had to narrow down to get to this uh, final nominee list here. There was literally like 45 matches. It's crazy. Yeah. We've talked about a lot of it. I mean, Mox versus Suzuki fucking ruled. It's Mox's best match of the year, by the way. Better than anything he's done in AEW, and that's not any AEW shade. It's just it is the truth. It's his best match this year. I think probably the match with Omega coming up might outdo it, but uh, yeah, it's it's better than the Brody Lee or the uh, what's it called? The MJF. match he had with um, yeah, <laughs> any Eddie of Kingston? them, including the Kingston match. This is the best. This is the best Moxley match of the year. It's like uh, another feather in the cap to Suzuki. Just uh, two great dance partners. I want to see those guys wrestle again. We talked about Ishii and Shingo. Fucking ruled. <laughs> Nagata Suzuki. Incredible. <laughs> yeah, we touched on a lot of these uh, G1 matches. Richard, do you have any uh, thoughts on, on anything else here? A lot, of, a lot of Ishii and a lot of Ibushi. It is. It's also a lot of Shingo, a lot of Suzuki. And you got quite a bit of Tai Chi. Like kind of peppered in there a little bit too. Yeah, so pretty much. Yeah, this, this one just throw it up in there. It's like three, and and <laughs> you know, this, I think you're gonna be you're gonna be spread um, in this one. Everything's Here, gonna be kneecapping each other. It, it 
anyone who's listening, if you're not familiar with what this is, this the idea of this is not what is the best match. It is what is the best fight of the year, that match that you're like, I don't know if that was a match of the year, but that's one of the most violent things I've seen all year long. That felt like a real actual these guys hate each other. They're trying to hurt each other, and I was blown away. And that's what the strong style fight of the year is. Violence. Yes, it's violence <laughs> personified. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna move on to the the next category. Yeah, we got the junior match of the year, and this will kind of echo the sentiments that we mentioned earlier about the juniors kind of having a down year. So we don't have as many junior matches of the year as normal, but our category or our candidates this year. Hiromu and Bushi versus the Birds of Prey from Road to Tokyo Dome. Will Ospreay versus Hiromu Takahashi, Wrestle Kingdom 14 Night 1. Barbaro Cavernario versus Karistico from Fantastica Mania. <laughs> Hiromu Takahashi versus Ryu Lee, New Beginning in Osaka. Rapongi 3K versus the Mega Coaches from New Japan Road. And finally, Hiromu Takahashi versus Taiji Ishimori, uh, Summer Struggle and Jingu. Yeah, so like we mentioned... Slim and trim category that kind of refre- reflects the year. Yes. Yeah, like we mentioned, yeah, definitely um, reflects the year, reflects the, the lack of focus on, on the juniors due to the pandemic. And, uh, I mean, honestly, I, I think for, for the top spots, it's going to be kind of a two-match race there with Osprey versus Hiromu and Hiromu versus Ryu Lee. Um, and the rest will, will kind of fall in place. This is the first year that I think we've had a, a fantastic Mania match that's made the made the cut fantastic mania always has some always has a banger but isn't up to the same caliber as maybe a lot of the like super junior matches but this year no super junior so cavernario and caristico get on there and spoiler i voted for that match in one of my Hiromu takahashi guaranteed to place on this he's in four matches on this yep yeah absolutely and that speaks to his candidacy as a you know, junior wrestler there. Yeah, and you know, I think a lot of people they they might have forgotten about the Hiromu Bushi versus Birds of Prey that happened in December. That was just a, a great matchup, and remember that that is a part of our, our voting period this year. So that that is a match if you haven't seen, it's definitely worth a watch before you vote here. And then uh, Rapungi Three K versus Mega Coaches. You know, you had um, Rocky and Taguchi coming together to face off against Rapungi Three K. We got big match Taguchi, um, and that was an, another really good matchup there. Yeah, that's another you know thing when people are wondering why we nominate Rocky. Well, it's matches like this. Uh, for my money, the best junior match of the year, or junior tag team match of the year by far. Um, do we want to move on to the next category, the actual tag team match of the year? Yes, so this, again, is a new category for 2020, tag team match of the year. Um, Might have been a down year for juniors, but it was a great year for tag team action here. So, it was an up year for tag matches. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Um, so our nominees, we have Suzuki and Archer versus Dangerous Techers from World Tag League Day 2. Evil and Sonata versus Finjuice from the World Tag League Finals. Ishii and Osprey versus Evil and Hiromu from Road Tokyo Dome. Evil and Shingo versus Ishii and Goto from New Year's Dash. Bushi, Evil, and Shingo versus Goto, Ishii, and Eagles from uh, Road to New Beginning. Goto Okada and Golden Ace versus New Japan Dads from Nakanishi's Retirement. Golden Ace versus Dangerous Techers from Dominion. Goto Ishii and Yoshihashi versus Okada, Yano, and, and uh, Sho from Summer Struggle. 
Goto Ishii, Yoshihashi versus Dangerous Techers and Doki from Road to Power Struggle, and Goto and Yoshihashi versus Dangerous Techers from Road to Power Struggle. We um we wanted to have this tag. Uh, we've talked about doing it in, the, in years past and hadn't done it, but we wanted to have a tag team-centric uh, award because while the, this company isn't known to have strong tag team booking, when you look at every card, they have tag team matches all throughout the year, and there's so many great tag team matches that get forgotten year after year. We, we just wanted to have this kind of award so that that stuff can kind of get recognized. And you notice most of these matches are either not involved in almost any feud or they're like B or C level feuds, but the actual quality of these matches are just so far and away. Like, I mean, you can compare them to the tag matches in almost any company and they're going to be right up there. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's why we kind of wanted to shine a spotlight on the tag team action that happens in New Japan this year. A lot of evil on this list. So yeah, because he... different. Because, you know, there's somebody in there to wrestle for him, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Evil is a fantastic tag team wrestler. Always has been. He's just not a great singles wrestler. Just let Joe ride, man. (laughs) Bro, my my shit's a joke, too. This man is a fantastic tag team wrestler. (laughs) (laughs) It's like putting the IWGP title on Marty Jannetty, you know? (laughs) Oh. I think the match here that's probably going to get a lot of love is Golden Ace versus Dangerous Techers. That's probably the most high-profile matchup on here. It's for tag titles. It was on Dominion. And, you know, a lot of these Road 2s, a lot of World Tag League stuff, uh, I think people might have either not watched or forgotten and and might try to focus in on some of the bigger matches. I agree. Um Suzuki Archer and Dangerous Techers really got a lot of love when it first happened. It was a year ago. I'm wondering how many people remember it, but uh, that was like one of the tip-top standout matches of the Tag League last year, as well as the finals between Sonata and Finjuice, or I'm sorry, LIJ and Finjuice, um, even better than the Wrestle Kingdom match that they had for sure. Yeah. Um, the Evil Shingo Ishii and Goto match from New Year's Dash, one of the best tag team matches of the year. Literally, if like we consider it for strong style fight of the year, that's how hard hitting that match was, and we barely cut it. Yeah, I mean, we we, we always begged for that Ishii Goto team, and we got it at the beginning of the year, and it it was awesome. Feel good matches. There's always the uh, Nakanishi retirement match. People might hand wave it because it's Nakanishi. Don't make that mistake. That match fucking rules. Uh, I loved it. Like very emotional. Like. Incredible to kind of see the dads go up against uh, top stars in the company to kind of send Nakanishi off in style. And then the match we've talked about, the six man from uh, uh, Summer Struggle where Yoshihashi finally wins his first title. That was another really big feel-good moment as well as a great match as well. Yeah, so some really, really awesome tag team matches here for you to consider for tag team match of the year. Absolutely. If you guys haven't seen anything on this list, everything on this list is above four stars. You need to go watch it. Yeah, and that takes us now to the excursion match of the year. So this is a category for um, great matches that featured New Japan wrestlers that happened outside of New Japan. 
Um, so our nominees for this, we have Dragon Lee versus Kenny Omega from Triple A Triple Mania. We have Regia. 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 Or I don't know how you pronounce it. But it's, <laughs> it's not tri- it's Triple Mania Regia. It's like weird. <laughs> uh, we had Chaos versus Rascals from Warrior Wrestling Seven. Will Ospreay versus Dowie James from MCW Vendetta. Michael Oku versus ELP from Rev Pro High Stakes. Osprey versus Saber from High Stakes. Uh, Eagles versus Panzer from PWR. Love at first fight. We had Moxley versus Brody Lee from AEW Double or Nothing. Osprey versus Kyle Fletcher from Rev Pro Epic Encounters 3. And then Job Moxley versus Eddie Kingston from AEW Full Gear. We had um, at least over 100 candidates here. It's one of the awards we worked the hardest on all throughout the year, just keeping track of every match these guys are having outside of New Japan. And we got to a point where, like, we wanted to have 10 matches like we normally do, but we had a standard. It needed to be above a certain quality of level. And we just came to a point where, like, you know what? These are the nine that are above that quality. Everything else is just a smidge below it. Rather than split hairs, we're going to keep it just these nine. And that's kind of how we came to this uh, finale here. Yeah, big category here. Uh, lots of great Will Ospreay work. Uh, you get the return of Kenny Omega <laughs> to the Keeping It Strong Style Awards. <laughs> thought, thought you got rid of him. You know, so, uh, he's here to collect. You know, um, Then also a lot of mocks on there. Um, yeah, yeah, a lot of... And, and then don't sleep on... Um, like, if you guys haven't seen it, Will Ospreay versus Dowie James. Yes. Incredible. I, I, and, you know, I don't mean to single this match out just as, like, you know, something to watch, but if you haven't seen it, and maybe you already voted, maybe you already put it in, go watch it, because Dowie James, like, it, you think about guys that are just tucked around the world that are really good and no one knows about them. I saw this match, I was like, who the hell is this Dowie James guy? Yeah. Yeah, that match yeah, was that match... absolutely incredible. That match is fucking incredible. Another incredible Osprey performance just recently happened. Epic Encounters 3, him and Kyle Fletcher. Um, we had it on the list. Um, Jeremy watched it first, and I was, and Jeremy goes, you know, this is my rating. He throws out the rating, and I was like, that doesn't sound fucking right, because on every single website, every single, you know, ratings site, it's super low rated. And, like, Jeremy goes, there's no fucking way that's possible. Like, go watch it. I go and I watch it, and I go, oh, my God. <laughs> one of the best one of the best empty arena matches of the COVID era, and that's no cap. Like, it's so good. Um, so that's another one I want to kind of shine some light on because, you know, Moxley Kingston, Moxley Brody Lee, both really good. People have seen it. They've heard of it. You know, they're, they're, you know the AEW slash – well. Yeah. They're, pro- they're probably going to do well because they, they just happen to do well. But if you haven't seen Osprey Fletcher or Osprey James, you need to see it. Um, the Red Pro stuff is awesome. Yeah, I definitely, like you mentioned. Dragon Lee and Kenny Omega and Triple A. You saw that match, right? The Triple A match, Rich? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you talk about it like a, just a different environment, it being in Mexico. Uh, so I believe it was a Triple A title match, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, for the and, Mega Championship. Yeah. So, just a. I always wanted to see Kenny Russell against like Dragon Lee, and then it's it's a dream match that happened out there. So, 
Yeah, that yeah, was, it was fantastic. That was an awesome matchup. Yeah, the Red Pro stuff was great. Like I mentioned, that that Osprey Fletcher match, Kyle Fletcher. This guy's put on so much weight. He used to be a string bean. Now he's uh, a solid, uh, thick boy, and has had this great hard hitting match of Osprey. Um, the Osprey Saber match where Osprey finally wins a title was great. Uh, Oku finally winning that. The- that one has a really good chance of possibly winning with how highly rated it was this year. I just don't know how many people will remember it. Yeah. But it's like one of the highest rated matches of the year. Uh, Oku beating ELP to win the Cruiserweight title uh, was a great moment there. Um, Eagles versus Panzer. This is a match that happened in the Philippines. Um, Robbie Eagles kind of coming in almost in the, in the Will Ospreay kind of role, like a star to put over the local guy, uh, Panzer, who was their uh, PWR champion. And that was a great matchup there. Bro, Chris Panzer's so good. Uh, they kind of just have an emerging, you know, like uh, indie scene in the Philippines, sort of like how Australia was a couple years ago. Do yourself a favor. Go watch this Eagles versus Panzer match. It's on YouTube. It's free. It's like 30 minutes. I made Jeremy watch it. Like, it's fucking awesome, right? Yeah, real <laughs> awesome. Um, Chaos versus Rascals. That was the Chaos team of... Uh, Osprey, Rocky Romero, and Amazing Red against the Rascals, and it is the fastest-paced, most high-flying, death-defying match of this entire list. Yeah. Um, there's a reason that we have a six-man tag on a excursion match of the year list. It's crazy. RLPW certified. Yeah. <laughs> and and you know we'd be remiss. I don't want to skip over it, but like people have seen the Brody Lee and the Kingston stuff with Moxley, but like Moxley. Have an incredible year. I mean, he had a bunch of matches that could have been on here. The match with MJF, the two matches with Darby Allen, um, a bunch of shit. Like, he's had a fantastic year. These were the two we felt like were the best of the voting period. But, I mean, he won this award last year with Kenny Omega. I wouldn't be surprised if he does it again, honestly. Yeah, um, just that, that exposure and know how well-received those matches were. Big title matches uh, as well. Can't discount that. And recency, like that Mox Kingston is fresh on people's minds. Yeah. One, one last thing. Oku Phantasmo, I watched this match. You guys know how I feel about ELP. And when I got done, I said, oh, my God, it's got to be on the list. So if I'm saying it's got to be on the list and I don't even really like ELP, it means something. You need to go see that fucking match. <laughs> I, I, I noticed you really love all the ELP matches where he loses. Well, no, actually, yeah. I'll, I'll give him some more praise. You know what? I think Oku's very good, but I think Oku's super green, and I think Phantasmo led him to a great match. Wow. How about that? Young boy putting over the headbanger. Yeah, we'll see. He's got a he's no, got a J scratch. <laughs> he's, he's got a J cup coming up, so we'll see how that goes. But um, I'm I'm very excited. We worked really hard on this uh, award, so I I hope. You know, you guys enjoy that one. Uh, if you haven't seen any of these matches, they come with our highest recommendation. Yes. And with that, now we have... So, l- last two. Yeah, two categories left that we can get through here pretty quickly. We have uh, Angle of the Year. So, obviously, for the, the best angle, we our nominees, we have Suzuki attacking Moxley at Wrestle Kingdom 14. Kenta attacking Naito at Wrestle Kingdom 14. Saber attacking Mox at New Beginning in Osaka. Evil joining Bullet Club, Dangerous Techers leaving Golden Ace laying at New Japan Road, Dick Togo returning and helping Evil win the titles, 
and Great Ocon returning from excursion and uh, kind of helping Osprey win and Osprey turning on Chaos, all kind of wrapped in one moment there. Yeah. So you're going to notice a lot of angles here that involve attacks, setting up other title matches, betrayals. This was the year of betrayals in New Japan, and that's kind of what you saw all throughout here. Yeah, a lot of heat. (laughs) Yeah. um, Definitely kind of a lot of key moments, a lot of moments that kind of um, the promotion was centered around. Also, you know, think back to the beginning of the year with Kenta ruining that moment for LIJ fans and Naito leading to that big new beginning in Osaka match. That was a big sellout uh, crowded show. That was a very heated program there. You know, dangerous Techers Golden Ace has a, a few that we've mentioned several times in several categories here. That was kind of a, a pillar piece um, in the promotion this year. Obviously, Dick Togo, um, an evil, kind of a big piece this year. I'm almost a little questionable about the Dick Togo one because it's something that happened in a match. Yeah. But you know what? Like, fuck it. It's our award, so we... we and it we, sucked. Yeah. <laughs> it led to a bunch of shit that sucked. <laughs> yeah, but you can't judge it that way. You have to judge this shit in a vacuum. This is an angle. It, it's not a storyline. It's the angle itself. You know what I'm saying? We got Saber attacking Mox on here, which led to literally nothing... But because it was a fantastic, it, it only did because of the COVID, but it was an awesome angle that occurred in the ring that, that was, like, really great at the time. For me, there was, like, one of these that made everyone really excited. Um, and everything else was like, why are they doing this right now? I can't believe this happened. Um, some stuff you don't even remember. Uh, <laughs> like like leaving Golden Aces, uh, you know, uh, Techers and Golden Aces. Um, well, they they just did that one a bunch of times. That's why they I did it why. twice. Um, yeah. So, what, what for me? One of these really the excited everyone. Is it Suzuki? I think it's Moxley? Oh yeah, unquestionably the monster reaction that it, it got. I remember our Wrestle Kingdom party of you know us feeling like something would happen there. The crowd going absolutely nuts. Him dropping Moxley on his shit. Moxley like you know been kind of smiling, knowing he unlocked that damn beast. And the emergence of Monoro Suzuki back in 2020. Oh yeah, this is this is a yeah. great one. Yeah, we had a tough time with this one because the next night Mox came down in Cork and Hall and attacked Suzuki. Uh, those are almost like two sides of the same coin. And we love that moment too. We almost nominate, but we're like, let's just split the difference, pick one that's, you know, we picked the Wrestle Kingdom one. And, but yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. Uh, not totally. I don't agree that all these were bad, but I agree that that was great. <laughs> yeah, definitely the one most excited for me. There's. You know, videos of people like running from the bathroom back to their seats when they hear Suzuki's music playing and coming down to attack Mox. And so, yeah, definitely a great moment here. I think a lot of these angles, um, you know, maybe they, they might not, you know, be ones you remember or something that stand out. But a lot of these angles were stuff that built the stuff and were kind of some key angles in the promotion that led to a lot of the main stories. Hey, I, I, I'm going to throw it out there. Evil turning on Naito after he won the, the New Japan Cup. It's the biggest angle of the year. I don't know if it's going to be the angle of the year, but it's the biggest angle in terms of fan interest, reaction, everything of that nature. Like, nobody knew what the fuck was going on. And for a moment, whether you like the direction it went afterwards or not, 
it was like, holy shit, like, did they just fucking <laughs> break this man evil out and, like, put him in charge of the bull club? Like, what the fuck's going on? Like, that was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I think that wraps up the uh, angle of the year. I think we can move on to the last category. The news story of the year, the biggest events in New Japan. So, the f- starting off, we have New Japan losing their access TV deal in the States. Uh, after that, Tetsuya Naito becoming the first ever double champion. Um, Nakanishi retiring. Tiger Hattori retiring. New Japan shutting down due to COVID. New Japan running Jingu Stadium. New Japan Strong being announced as a weekly show in the States. Harold May resigning and uh, them announcing a new president. King of Pro Wrestling being announced by Kazushika Okada. And finally, New Japan set to run the Tokyo Dome two nights in a row again. Yeah, so a lot of interesting stories here. Again, a little bit of a mix of kayfabe and reality you know, with you know Naito be, becoming the double champion. We kind of talked about that in Fighting Spirit o- along with Nakanishi retiring. One retirement we, we, we didn't mention was Tiger Hattori. You know, he had his retirement show and uh, finally retired um, this year. Um, then uh, New Japan Strong, we had the, the announcement of that new program that's been running weekly on Fridays. Um, so a, lot, a little bit of the, your, your kayfabe kind of stuff there. And then you also you have like the more kind of reality-based stuff like New Japan losing their access TV deal, which was a really big uh, story this year. Bigger than people would probably give credit for. I, I would say so, yeah. It's actually something that we almost kind of skipped over and forgot about when we were doing these awards. We're like, oh, yeah, I guess that happened. And we're like, I guess it was a big deal, wasn't it? And we're like, yeah, it was a really fucking, yeah, actually, it's huge. What are we thinking? How is this not on our you know, ballot yet? <laughs> yeah, and then um, – also, you, you know, Josh, I know you wanted to highlight, you know, New Japan shutting down to COVID. We mentioned it in um, the Fighting Spirit Award. Was, it, was there more you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I mean, just, you know, um, everybody had to handle this situation in different ways. But, you know, I would say outside of maybe Ring of Honor, of all the companies that are actively running, especially major companies, nobody handled the – COVID situation better than New Japan Pro Wrestling. I mean, um, you know, not trying to openly criticize any other companies, but I mean, we see what's happened in other companies with the outbreaks, with the probable spread to, you know, fans in attendance at shows, things like that, hypothetically, but definitely to the, you know, to the actual performers, definitely to family members. Um, And you kind of contrast that to what New Japan did, where they were, like, totally shut down. You know, doesn't matter that they're publicly traded. Doesn't matter that they got shareholders to answer to. You know, they still paid their talent along the way. They put every safety precaution in place. They, you know, have literally just gone above and beyond in every single sense of the, the term to ensure the safety of the performers, the fans, the company itself, everybody involved, like uh, the workers, the stage crew, the production crew, the talent, everybody. Uh, it's really commendable. And again, I'm not like trying to down other companies. I get everyone did the best they could, but like you really have to. Because there is an element the of like Japanese culture here too. 
like taking this like and just overall being better than everyone else too. There is, but there's also the sense. There's also the fact that every other Japanese company across the board did the opposite of New Japan and ran and probably spread the shit and endangered people. And New Japan, you know, now granted they still had the luxury of the fact that they are the largest and most well off financially, the biggest. But they still, I mean, Harold May probably lost his job because of it. Mm-hmm. That's that's the reality here. Like he probably is not president right now because he wasn't able to come through on his promises, mostly because this COVID situation and it took them from being on this trajectory of being extremely financially viable to they still made a profit, but it wasn't what anyone expected. He probably lost his job over it, and you kind of have to applaud them for that and really take notice that like this company literally shut down unprecedented for like four months. It was crazy. Yeah. And I think one thing that we got should touch on briefly is um, KOPW being announced. I know a lot of people probably see, you know, KOPW for what it is now, you know, a complete joke. But at the time when KOPW was announced, it seemed like a very serious thing. They had a big press conference. They had Kazuchika Okada announcing it. They made a real big deal about it. Um, several, everybody was talking about, you know, what is KLPW going to be? Are we going to see a cage match? Are we going to see a ladder match? Or you know, what you know, what are we going to see in New Japan? A lot, you know, a lot of diehard uh, pure elitists being upset about the possibility of stipulation matches and people being like, oh, you know, it'll, it'll mix it up. It'll it'll be great. And so you had this kind of big discourse going on between KLPW. And so the the overall announcement of it was a big news story and moment. But then also, if you look retroactively, it it ended up just kind of being a joke. Um, Out of doing the press conference, that was a big deal. (laughs) It just was. (laughs) Any final thoughts here on any of these news stories? Um, So, Evil... Winning the title, this becoming the second W champion, uh, second double champion wasn't on here. <laughs> no, because when you do it the first time, then it's like really important. The second time is not as not as important. There has been one thing that has dominated the main discussion, or one of the main discussions coming out of New Japan. It's like, what the fuck happened here? Um, and just a just as a news story and something happening. I don't know, and then. They, I'm torn on it. I feel like it should be there, but I I understand why you guys did this because it's like, well, Evil was not nominated for Wrestler of the Year. Evil was not nominated, didn't have any matches, uh, you know, pop up in Match of the Year. Like, it led to nothing but disdain um, from lots of folks. I don't know. It it is a lightning rod story, though. I guess, but I mean, them unifying the titles for the first time ever you know, on the second night of the Tokyo Dome is, like, a much bigger story than, like, someone took it from Naito. It doesn't matter who it was. It could have been Kazushika Okada. It could have been John Moxley. It w- wouldn't have been as big of a story, literally. And, and you know what? Like, before we go, one thing is, like, I'll, I'll say this. I think that this story, uh, like, this... um sort of sentiment about, like, what the fuck happened in New Japan, I, I really think it's overblown. I think uh, it could wind up being one of the... I think right now people are acting as if it is the current state of things, whereas I think it's one of those things where people are going to have to say, I was ahead, because it's not the current state of things. 
a year from now, maybe we'll find out it was, and maybe things are really bad, and they're not going to get back on track. But, like, dude, I think it's, like, you know, trying to grab the cookies before you let them, like, cool down. Like, look at this year. Like, we've – if you go through everything that we just went through, like, this has been a fantastic year for a company that was going through COVID, just like every other company. And honestly, aside from a few things being problematic in the main event scene, which – I get it. The main event scene is the thing that people focus the most on. It's the thing that it's the last thing that, you know, at the end of a show, you know, you want to, um, you know, kind of reflect on and it, and it really affects everything. But like this company has I mean, been fantastic. This company has been fantastic top to bottom aside from like what five, six, seven matches. It's really overblown. And like, the fact that Dave Meltzer's sort of the one who's like spreading it because it's his opinion, and then it's being spread by like other wrestling journalists. And I know, Rich, you kind of sharing it a bit, but like I think it's I think it's an overblown narrative. I don't think it's the actual state of how New Japan is. And it, uh, like we have integrity here. If, if this shit's whack, we'll call it whack. But like New Japan's been really great this year. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you there, Josh. I mean. Look. <laughs> Go ahead, Rich. I got. No, uh, you got. I was just saying, yeah, I I agree, I agree with with Josh there, and you know, yes, definitely. I I hate the evil stuff as much as the next guy, and all the interference and cheating, and I I am a, a little bit disgruntled for all the the ref bumps and the increase of ref bumps that we've been seeing this year all throughout the promotion. But overall, I still think from a bell to bell. Entering uh, product, New Japan still delivers. I mean, you look at the G1, you look at these strong style fights. Um, we even have a tag match category and a lot of stuff here. Um, there's still a lot of incredible matches this year. And I think, you know, they still have the roster to have incredible matches. And I think we'll we'll continue to see that as long as those guys are there. Well, there's a lot of good stuff that's happening. It's just it feels like the spotlight's in weird places. And then thinking about how like some of the booking is played out, how they set up the the title matches for the domes. It's convoluted. It's like WWE, uh, in a sense. And I, I just don't think you can escape that. Like but as far as like, you know, looking at the, the nominees on, on everything here, you're always gonna be able to find good uh, in New Japan. Yeah, I just I feel like and and I agree with you. I I'm not a fan of how they booked the dome this year. I think the fact that they have two domes, they continue to do this double gold situation is a, a convoluted situation. I agree with Jeremy. Too much cheating. It's becoming a problem. We we talk about these things weekly on the show, but ultimately, this is a transitional year that was a affected by COVID, and b they're trying to phase down some of these older stars to get some of these newer guys ready, and there's going to be growing pains, and I think we're suffering from a little bit of those growing pains. Now, if next year the bullshit continues and it doesn't get better, I'll call it out. But, like, when you've got Osprey on deck and you got Shingo on deck and you got Sho on deck and all these other guys, I find it really hard to be like, shit's done. <laughs> it's, like, it's not done. What are you talking about? They got, like, the best talent roster in the world what are you talking about so I, I just find it uh i don't know like you know haromu's on deck bro like i don't know <laughs> yeah and, and also too i think with with covid one area that they got we'll hurt, see one area they got hurt with with covid was the the inability to bring in foreigners um they weren't able to bring in moxley can you imagine if moxley was there all year and 
if they could have bring in ACH and TJP and all their their junior um, imports and guys like that, you know, all, Brody Lee's a guy who's mentioned wanting to go to New Japan. If they were able to kind of capitalize on a lot of these guys being released from WWE, I think we would be talking about an even even better year than they had this year. Well, we will see what what happens, and we'll be here again next year detailing all of it for you guys, unless uh, it goes too far south, and then you know. Keeping a strong style dies. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, One Nation Radio becomes a four-man no, show. If, if there's another... Yeah, I was going to say, if, if there's a uh, another year of IWGB title matches with the Garot Wire in them and, you know, they, and just mid-work... Mm, I don't know. <laughs> well, I would just like to say I'm thankful for this company still putting on the best matches of any company in the world, and I I'm thankful for you guys being here to, uh, you know, catalog it with me and kind of give the rundown so our, you know, listeners can uh, put in their votes. And I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah, another uh, great uh, year-end preview uh, tradition show that we do here. So, guys, go out and get your votes. The ballot is open. Uh, Look on our Twitter, at KI Strong Style. You can find it on our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Squared Circle. You can join our Discord group. It's called Social Suplex Discord. Um, you can look on the New Japan Reddit. Again, if you voted last year, you, you should have an email in your inbox from the email you gave us last year uh, to the ballot. So, And also, share this with your friends. You know, Every year, we have the goal of uh, getting increasing the votes, and we've been able to do that every year, um, out, you know, beating the total from the previous year. So we definitely want to do that again this year. So vote, share the ballot with your friends, every wrestling group that you're a part of that – um, talks about New Japan, share the ballot with them, um, help us get these votes up, and we, we want to make sure we have you know the best awards out there. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's going to wrap it up for today. Uh, get out there, vote, and keep checking out Keeping It Strong Style. We'll be back uh, next week for a regular episode to break down all of the uh, World Tag League and Best of Super Junior action that's been going on. And so, until next time, we'll see you later. Peace. Goodbye and good night. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we don't say that. We don't say that shit no more. Neither does he. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn five dollars into one hundred and fifty dollars instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code Champion One Hundred and Fifty. Then place a five dollar wager on any sport. You'll receive one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the King of Sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc